thoughts, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. We've got John out in Kelowna, BC, Amher in Toronto, Ontario, Gabe in Wakefield, Quebec, and uh, myself, Austin, in Toronto, Ontario as well. And I, uh, I mean, I'm in Toronto for the week. I can tell on Amher's face he's kind of cheesed that I'm not sitting beside him in his bedroom. Yeah. Um for sure. But uh yeah, I've, I'm I'm here for the week. Amber and I actually fly out to to Vegas on Thursday. And we can say that now, Amber, because it's going to get released. The surprise is done, right? So True. everyone can fuck off. Cool. We'll actually be on their way back. Now, I I will say this, there's a few things going through my head. I wanted to share kind of some, you know, quick uh quick things. First of all, I'm sitting at a 1% recovery right now. <laughs> okay, so I just want to fill you guys in. Not a good time, okay? Uh, 1%. You have COVID, brother. Like, that's I, just what I, that means. I, I, I guess. what that means. Uh, here's You're what actually happened. You're not going into Vegas. They're not letting you in. Okay, bro. <laughs> no, 1%, in. actually, it's a weird ride because you wake up and you don't feel as bad as you think you would feel at 1%, right? You think you're waking up like you just got hit by a truck. No, you wake up, you feel okay. It's like 3 p.m. hits, and it feels like you've been up for 36 hours. And um, it's 7 p.m. now, and I, I almost, I got to be honest, guys, I debated calling both of you and being like, <laughs> I'm out for the count. Sorry. Like, I'm just brain dead. Um, yesterday, I had a CrossFit competition, got to a 20.4 strain. I know this might not make any sense to people who aren't on Whoop, but like, I burned 4,400 calories. My body's just in shambles. My body's broken, essentially. Uh, it was a unreal time such a fun time competitive environment and i and i loved every minute of it but i'm certainly paying the price for it physically today now when i got home to go to bed the ac to my airbnb was broken okay so when i went to go to bed and i'm not even shitting you and i have a photo on my phone i'll send it to merlin she can post it 28 degrees in my bedroom okay can a man sleep in 28 degrees why aren't you going to hotel rooms? Have you not learned your lessons? Because it was all a plan and the plan obviously didn't work out because I'm in Toronto this week for work before we fly out on this bachelor party because I was trying to be, you know, efficient with my time. So I'm like, well, I might as well get an Airbnb. I'll stay four days after the event and then I'm flying out of Toronto anyway. Why would I go back home? I got to be in Toronto once, once every four or five months anyway. Why don't I do it in this four day period where I'm going to be in Toronto twice? So it all made sense. Until the Airbnb I chose didn't have a fuck doesn't didn't have air conditioning. 
Can I ask you a question vis-a-vis -vis the sleeping in, in, in hot rooms? Because having grown up in a house that had no AC, that was poorly vented, like poorly insulated, I just like lived in uh, like sleeping in warm quarters. Do you do anything different like in that to sleep in, in hot temperatures? Like to try to like to try to mitigate that? Yeah. Like when I am sleeping in hot temperatures? Or, yeah, or like when you, when you are sleeping. Because no. my trick is uh, sleep with socks on. And it sounds really weird when it's hot on when it's hot out naked with socks on um, because the socks keep your feet oddly enough warm, which tells your body to drop its its core temperature. So um, like it actually really works. Like like if you try try it, try sleeping with socks. You can sleep with boxers too, but sleep well, with that's socks. That's good advice, Gabe, because the AC is still broken. So I'm gonna try that tonight. Try it tonight. See how it goes. Let it me is know. Thankfully, a you're, little bit cooler. You're staying in, here. in the same Airbnb. Why aren't you requesting a refund and getting into a Marriott or something? Um, why? I guess you know, I could, but I mean, it was kind of like a random thing last night. I've just today kind of dealt with. Dude, that. you I have actually, one percent uh, recovery. How's that random? Yeah, I. Uh, what was random? I used to suffer. You oh. what, John? I used to, uh, similar to what Gabe was talking about and what you're going through. I used to also. Like, right, you got that like, look on your face, bro. I don't like it. No, I don't have any look on my yeah, face. I'm just, I'm just, no, I don't have a look on my face. <laughs> I, I used to also suffer from not being able to sleep from heat. Yeah, and I made a change in my life. Which was getting, it's <laughs> changing your living situation? No, I became a fucking man. <laughs> Dude, this is... <laughs> yeah, Austin, just man up, bro. Yeah, you know what? The thing about having a 1% recovery, too, is that you actually have 1% fucking patience as well. So zero, zero time for that comment. Um, but... Well, actually, hold on. Do, do you remember that photo of me um, with the towels on me? Yes. That was from a similar experience when we were in BAM. <laughs> yeah. And there was you know, no funny, AC. I actually thought of that video when I was going to bed last night. I was like, do I wrap myself in a damn towel? I don't know. The funnier one about that one was that, again, Airbnb is so suspect. There was a train about 20 yeah. feet from our, yeah. you know, that went by. Like I think that was the episode that we had Tristan on. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was funny. It was, it was uh, pretty bad. Yeah, and, you know, I guess on the subject of no patience, I, I have a bit of a, I, I wanted to use this platform to communicate something, okay? And this is not like, a, a, this is just something I want to share because this is probably out of anywhere in my life with the least amount of effort, I can get the most amount of ears to hear a message, okay? If you are in the career that you want, Meaning like you're, you're right where you want to be. You're a professional in your field. Okay. And you know, you're, or you're above the age of, let's say 25 and you don't reply all to emails like consistently. You never really check and you never really reply all and you only ever just hit reply and you do that consistently. I hate you. Watch out. <laughs> It is, it's insane, isn't it? Reply all the I, email. Like, how do you miss that? I mean, I'm that guy. I know you're that guy. That's why I wanted to bring that up. And it's not, <laughs> even, because, it's not even because you've done it. It's because like, just randomly in the past two weeks, I've been dealing, like just like communicating with clients or people for this house or even just random emails. I'll CC Miranda on an email 
and the person replies to me only. It's like, why did you think that someone was CC'd? Or, or I'll CC Mark to an email when I'm emailing a client, and then that client responds without the reply all. It's like, I'm just trying to understand, right? Where's the gap? Yes. It can be sometimes intimidating hitting reply all. It's like too loud. One, one, per, one person. One person on the CC. If you're on your mobile phone, it's not as, like, if you're on your computer, it's easier to, like, see the reply all. When you're on your phone, like, the, the difference between, like, like one button up and one button Yeah, down. fair enough. I guess it's more about the consistency thing, because I'm certainly guilty of it from time to time, too. I'll, I'll miss it, right? But, like, if yeah, you're going back, like, I'm, like, I've had an email chain of 20 emails, and then every single time when I'm replying, I CC someone and then that person responds without the CC and I'm constantly just having this battle, you know? It's like, I CC, they don't. I CC, they don't. And it's like a 20 email chain. I'm like, what you can do is you can finish, you can finish the conversation and then forward that conversation to the person. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, It's just one of those things. Like, you know? Yeah, like, because I mean, like email, right? Like, so prior to that was like postal. Yeah. There was no CC. There wasn't any CC. And you know what CC stands for? I'm going to guess. I actually, do you, I actually found this out not too long ago. Closed conversation? I don't know. Mm. I think Amr's going to get it, but he's, but he's, I think Amr's punking us. He knows it all no, along, no, but he no, wants no, to don't. seem like he's fine. Amr's 100% the type of dude to do that. Yeah. No, <laughs> why would you say that, dude? That's not fair. Am- Amr's, that, Amr's that guy who's like, hey, everyone, you guys want to watch Jeopardy? And you're like, sure. Okay. <laughs> it's and, he's wa- and, he, and he's like, watch that episode on replay. And he's like, just like playing that, you know, like Amr's that dude. Amr's actually, I, I wouldn't doubt. Amr, you're telling me right now you have zero recorded episodes of Jeopardy right now. I don't watch Jeopardy. <laughs> yes. Okay. I know I what it stands know. for. I don't. I yeah. don't know the. I don't know the Did answer. Did you Google it? I feel it like again? I would know. No, it. I knew. I knew what it was before. Okay. 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 Amber, you don't. You don't know. Okay. What is it? Carbon copy. Is... Makes sense. Carbon copy is in like you know like the contracts for student works where he goes through to a different layer of paper. That's a carbon copy. It's like if you wrote an email on a carbon copy, you know, I guess. And then there's blind carbon copy. Um. So anyway, uh, you got to carbon copy those emails, you know, reply all. I hope, I hope the federal government or CBC News shares this clip. Sincerely. Need more Canadians. Well, just sincerely. to clarify, if the CBC, that would be the equivalent of the federal government. <laughs> so, like... Let's unpack that. Like, Let's that's, unpack. that's like saying, I hope that Austin and Austin shares this, you know? <laughs> the cbcc uh, yeah yeah okay fair play um just wanted to get so that how, how so okay so how did you how did you perform in this because i feel like that you might be hiding that just by like talking about how, how did i perform in what the competition yeah uh my team and i came sixth out of 44 how did you perform individually probably one of the better performances i've had in in physical uh, well, I mean, I've only ever done one other CrossFit competition, but when it comes to like how what my expectations were, given the workouts that were released, um, I would say I exceeded my expectations for sure. Well, man, I uh, I have to say it's uh, excellent to see 
that uh, you entered the competition, performed well, and have made a lot of progress in your health. And I love seeing it. I appreciate that, John. It feels good. I, mm-hmm. yeah, down down a bunch of weight, feeling stronger and more energetic than I ever have. Uh, apart from this one percent recovery, I got to be honest. It's been uh, it's it's been a, a you really, didn't drink. Uh, I had two beers at the end of the day, oh. but that wouldn't give me a one percent, man. Like I got Dude, you're no dehydrated sleep. and malnutrition. Well, you drank beer. No, I mean all day I'm drinking. I probably drank <laughs> about eight or nine liters. Did you of like water. crave a beer? Because I mean, like when I ran marathons, the the the, oh, the yeah. best thing yeah, afterwards yeah, yeah. was uh, exactly. was a Gatorade. Oh, a blue Gatorade right afterwards was basically the equivalent of like, yeah, it was basically the equivalent of like cocaine and strippers on like a private jet. It was just <laughs> in your mouth. So. um yeah. Yeah, like I, I went out and had a, uh, went out to dinner with my team because we competed. Like there was two teams coming from, uh, the gym I was with, and uh, so we were eight people total that came down to Toronto to do this competition, and um, we had a reservation set up after, and we, uh, yeah, had a few beers and then came back and went to bed and got got a full like eight hours, but it was just all light sleep and all shit quality, and my skin temperature was like. 90 percent out of whack um based on my whoop regular stats so yeah it was just a terrible night um and yeah no the drinking certainly didn't help either uh but i was kind of betting i knew i was going to be getting a a yellow or red anyway anytime i go over like 18 19 it seems like it's almost unavoidable but amber you did this massive spartan race at the same day and got it got a yeah i did i did but like i didn't do it with the intention of racing i did it just like for the experience so i didn't i didn't i nearly prepare as much as you did right i mainly just went to spend time with my friends and okay so um, but you still got a pretty high strain and a pretty high recovery yeah it was a don't get me wrong it was a lot of fun and it was very tiring my entire body is sore but uh, yeah by no means did i set out the goal like three months ago that okay i'm gonna like try to do really well uh, my, my goal yeah. was not that so yeah well um it was yeah, so fair, much fun fair enough. it was yeah, so no, much I, fun i, I want to do a spartan race it, they look like a blast you're just yeah. covered in mud the beard was still in impeccable form though you know <laughs> yeah. do you have like a beard cover you wear when you're doing the run like a no i just like you a know, beard bag it's it's hard to get your like chest up dirty like if you I know guess. how to like prone crawl properly like yeah, you're not putting yeah, your yeah. face in the dirt you know and of course Amber knows how to prone crawl come on man we all played video games of course we know how to prone crawl you never played shit. army as a kid i did but i just i mean i i don't know if i would like consider myself like a connoisseur of like prone crawling oh me and my brothers used to do it all the time when we were playing nerf war oh yeah we we'd learn how to prone perfectly prone learn how crawl? to prone with like a sniper rifle you put it like on the inside yeah, dude, we were just we were a bunch of nerds. That's hilarious. It's all we did in yeah. Jordan, dude. It's just like prone crawling across the basement floor. Um, That's actually still one of the most iconic missions of all time. Is uh, all gillied up. In yes, exactly, bro. That's what I'm saying. So of course, we all want to time recreate level. That. All t- one of the all time greatest levels of like yeah of all video, video games. Game yeah, history. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I used to like replay like that, like that snipe shot when you like take the shot at the helicopter. 
Oh, dude, yeah. That, that scene was bullshit, though, because I you know how many headshots I got and it always blew his arm off. I was like, dude, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I would sit there with like a slow mo camera, like proving them, like, hey, guys, the game's broken. I, I got a headshot, you know? <laughs> well, dude, that was like back in 07. Like, that was, or when that came out, I think it was like 06 or 07 when COD 4 came out. And like, it, that was the biggest thing. Like, that was years, light years ahead of what had been there in the past in terms of like FPS shooters. Like it was. Just, How old are you, Gabe? I'm 27. So when I came out, when it came out, I I'm not saying yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, so you, yeah, 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 okay. I, I was gonna say because like I even like played COD three. You remember that? No, so I didn't have an Xbox at that time. I just got like I got an Xbox right when COD four came out, basically uh, Xbox 360, and then what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Like that was just Jeez. yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll still never forget like the like the creative class was just like whoa like that was like the most yeah fun. you know it's interesting like innovation in video games is also kind of an interesting thing like that like like call of duty like that franchise value that they created like in in, in that exact moment you know oh yeah like, that we all like you know like like yeah like call of duty was basically like the Fortnite of our day right it was it really well world like us uh, uh, modern warfare 2 was like MW two the OG MW two that came out in like twenty I don't know two thousand nine something like that two thousand ten that was like that's what cemented it I think that is what cemented like the the value of the franchise and then they had Black Ops one which was sick like uh, but then it kind of just petered I don't know like I lost interest after a while too I mean as I got older too like I don't have as much time for video games but like yeah but yeah I still think it's kind of like Marvel movies yeah. You know, they, they, it's it's like I would never go to a Marvel movie, but there's a lot of people that like that's what that's exactly what they want. Yeah. Every single like you know like once a month they go and see a Marvel movie. Yeah. You know those people. Yeah. It's true. Hmm. But yeah, if you guys want to, you know, concerning a Spartan, kind of my two big uh, takeaways was, um, yeah, if you want to run a 10k, you should be fit enough to run a half marathon because there's like uphills and downhills and it's off track and and your grip strength really matters. So um my grip strength and my cardio wasn't nearly as where i thought it would be so i just failed miserably but it was it, you know or it was fun so but when that's like the, that's fa- the kind of say failed miserably what do you mean well just compared to my own standards like oh. you know i was you know i was hoping didn't to kind you do of one do... last year no 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 no. this is the first one yeah 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 what um, did you do before like this you did something like this Tough mutter. Nope. Nope. Huh. No, I went to I went to Texas and we drove like ATVs, but Oh interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I did, yeah. But it, yeah, it was it was great. It was it was a good time. I kinda like the mud. I was afraid of the mud. Cause like I don't like to get dirty. But like you just once you embrace it, it's just like don't raise your eyebrows at me, John. You did it like three times in a cheeky Larry cheeky John. Yeah, method. But uh yeah, I was really proud of my recovery. That's the most thing I'm proud of. Austin had a 20.4 strain, 1% recovery. I had a 20.0 strain and an 83% recovery. <laughs> Yeah, Ammer. So yeah, you're, I'm I'm uh, interested to see that you're so proud of yourself for leaving some uh, on the table. <laughs> no, I'm talking about my recovery. Pretty. Yeah, I know. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Or strain off, but you just didn't want to push for it. Yeah, I know. I was surprised too. It's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I can't compete with. Yo, that. apparently, I, I want to see the the whoop scale because um, 
Isn't 20.4 the highest you can possibly 20.7 is the highest. No, 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 no. There's there's a screenshot of a 20.8, and there's an alleged 20.9. That's it. Yeah, you can't get to 20. I looked into it. Bro, knowing knowing me, though, like, I'll just do nothing all day and hit, like, a 20.6, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. Gabe, what's the highest strain you've ever got? Uh, I got a 20.2, and I... That was on the day that I did... um, I did a workout in the morning, uh, and then I had two quotes, and then I had the home show. Oh yeah, and that was it. That but makes still, sense. like, but yeah, but but like a tw- like a twenty point. It was like a two or yeah, twenty point two or something like that. Which was I was exhausted by the end of the day. I really felt it, but it was like, uh, I yeah. I'm like, well, what if I did a CrossFit competition like Austin? Like, did if I did that, I, I feel like I'd have to be at like a twenty point seven. At, oh you know? yeah, okay. you would like, probably get mm-hmm. to it. It depends. Is there a proven 20.8? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a proven. I think I remember seeing a photo. It might have been doctored, the photo. So, like, I don't know. Mm. Like, yesterday, I just did quotes. I did four quotes, and my strain was 15.5. Today, I did nothing and played golf for three hours. Uh, 15.9 somehow. Yeah, so the way it works, it's the percentage of your active day that your heart rate is elevated above, like, a certain baseline. Yeah. So I guess I was just anxious. That's so. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> maybe I don't know. I I don't know. I had an eight percent recovery today, by the way. So eight percent recovery. I have to like push myself like a lot to get over ten. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're a marathoner, so your heart rate. Well, not anymore. I haven't. I haven't. I literally don't know if I've ran in like nine months. Still, you, you've been doing it so consistently. Your heart is like these are lagging indicators of your health. Like that's a good thing, in my opinion. It just means your heart rate is really like statistically, just based What's on your guys' resting heart rate. Fifty-two. Yours is like forty-seven, I think. Yeah, I think it's like forty. Yeah, forty-five. 45. Oh wow, mine's fifty-eight. Resting heart rate. No, it's not, Gabe. No, it's not. There's no. Yeah, it is. Yeah, my oh. resting heart rate is fifty-eight. Yeah, it's really. That's high. bad, dude. Mine's fifty-two. Is that bad? I think so. I think the faster your heart no. beats, no, well, I feel under, like the under, I don't think, 60, I think, I, under, under sixty is fine. Under problems. sixty is fine, right? Like yeah, it seems it seems totally fine. I think there's some Maybe. correlation, not causation, with your resting heart rate and how old you become. Uh, but I'm just bro sciencing it right how now. How old you yeah. become? You mean how long you live? Yeah, how old you will become? It's a great way to put it, actually, as opposed to saying. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on. Let's uh, let's get into this. So, hey, Ammer. So, I wanted to follow up. So, last week we were talking about at the end. We ended that podcast. Um, which, by the way, Austin, did you have a chance to listen to the end of that last podcast? No, I didn't. Also, okay. sorry. Before we go any further, Ammer, you. I just realized you didn't send me last week's audio. Really? Yeah. I just realized that. I don't have it from you, at least. May 8th. All right. Well, anyways, we can continue on. Yeah. So basically, what happened, Austin, just to kind of fill you in, because I wanted to talk to uh, Amber more about that and just see if he actually, you know, what, you know, what conclusions he came to. So basically, the gist of what Amber and I were talking about was that he was having uh, a bit of a, a cash flow issue in the sense that he wasn't, uh, there was a, there was actually more accounts receivable in his business than he maybe initially had anticipated. And okay. roughly a third of his revenue at any given moment was tied up in AR. 
Hmm. And so Ammer was a considering... A third of his annual revenue or revenue for a period, like a specific period? Uh, I think Ammer, if I, if I remember correctly, about a third of your monthly revenue is tied up in AR, right? Oh, wow, okay. For about... Well, ba- basically... No, it's, it's, customers... it's 60% of my monthly revenue. Yeah. But 30% so, of my yearly. So what was happening, Austin, is effectively... Yeah, that, that makes more sense, Ammer. So effectively what was happening, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So basically what was happening, Austin, was that people were paying around to, to combine. Some people probably paid up front for the full thing. Some paid maybe half. Either way, the total amount of payments uh, of, let's say, he, let's say Amher did $100,000 in revenue in a month, um, only th- 33000 of that roughly would actually be cash for that month. The rest would go into AR, and the average duration of that AR was about two and a half months. <laughs> So that's how long it took Amher's customers to pay him. So call it uh, 70 days, 75 days. So what was happening was is Amher was, came to me and said, hey, John, I'm going to start selling my AR, basically. And he was going to sell it or finance it uh, to a company that was going to take 5% of the AR. And then Amher would get the rest. So Amher would basically be selling his AR for what he thought was going to be 5%. Right. Yeah. Whereas then I had showed him the actual math behind that with that. It was like, it was closer to like 30%. If, if like, uh, if you it, like as an annual charge, so he was no, paying. No, no, it was 20%. Rate. It was 20%. I think it was 28%. No, no, no. Cause remember we made a whole bunch of adjustments. I remember distinctly, like me and Patrick talked about this. I did the, re- the recalculation. It was 20%. It based off four months. The APR. Are- yeah. But yeah, but you told me 2.5 though. You told me 2.5 months. Yeah, I was wrong. 28.66%. I was being too concerned. Okay, 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 okay. Well, either way, okay, okay, either way. So wait, your average customer pays you for over four months then? Yeah. Okay, so that's slightly better. Either way, Mm -hmm. I was explaining to Ammer the time value of money, and I was saying, hey, like, even though it seems like you're only paying 5%, if you annualize it, basically, it ends up being 30%. In this case, Ammer, when it came Can you explain that a little bit more, John? Uh, Well, yeah, the the way that we had, I think the way that I explained it that that kind of got through to Amber somewhat was that uh, basically if I was to say, Hey, Austin, right now your customers pay you the same day, right? Let's just yep. say that's the case. Yeah. Right. If I said, okay, but they're going to pay you tomorrow. And I said, I'm going to charge you 5% rather than you having to wait a day. Would you say yes? No. Okay. If I told you I would charge you 5%, but, uh, but your customer wasn't going to pay you for 10 years. Would you say yes? Yes. Okay. Well then that's the time value of money, right? As in, there's clearly a difference between it being 5% if it's tomorrow versus 10 years from now, yes. right? And so the annual, if you, if you actually were like to borrow the money in order to access those funds, 5% over two and a half months ends up being 30% annualized. So you're effectively borrowing at 30% annually in order to pay yourself your AR. 20%. If, if it's, if it's, if it's 2.5 months, in Amherst's case, it, it ended up being four months. So he's basically, pay, he's basically paying, uh, uh, 1.25 1.5 times a credit card <laughs> credit card rates in order to collect his ar which is absolutely insane right right and either way so that's just me filling you in and then Amr, i wanted to kind of just follow up on that so did you so did you, i imagine you you know you tend to act quickly did you did you come up with any ideas of how you were gonna you know potentially improve the ar situation yes so we have a short-term and long-term strategy in the long term, um, I think once we, because one of our limitations is actual like manpower in the business. So right now what we're doing is we're having like 
one of our district managers handle AR, which involves around five to six hours a week of like follow up and conversations. It's like ridiculous, very expensive. Um, oh, because people aren't even necessarily actually like automatically paying. No, because the credit even... card gets declined because they have to talk, call to their bank. So there's like that cost that's involved. Oh, wow. Um, which is really which makes sense, but it makes sense though because you actually are taking on credit risk there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's still delayed for four months. So even with all that work, we're still delayed. And uh, so yeah, there's actually a cost of collecting your AR, which is insane. Hey, yeah, like it's a big one too. Wow. So what at is this it scale, at this scale, we have like a key employee who's like crushing it and is extremely talented, spending. <laughs> 25% of his week. <laughs> just like it's just too much, man. So one sorry, one other thing I was just going to throw hold in. Hold on, really 25% quick, of his week best. collecting his own sales essentially? Like No, 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 the company sales. Company oh, sales, okay. yeah. Yeah. Company's AR, I shouldn't say sales, company's AR. Um, but sorry, one other stat that we come up with roughly was that Amer's bad debt so far has been around 5 to 6%. 5% Okay, five five percent, and uh, so that's actually roughly equivalent to uh, not quite subprime, but but huh. let's say car loans. So basically, Amer's business right now is really efficient at producing car car loan like AR. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, then there's also the cost of non-payment. So because we're not solving the problem right in the beginning, the, some there's some people that straggle. So like people that get to month three, but they're not like, they're just like straggling. That payment there becomes even more risky. So there's like, we're taking on even more risk than like right, right when it's fresh. So Can I, can I uh, interest you to a little bit of a bank lingo? Yeah, hit me. Okay, so most banks, some have their own little terminology, but most, I think there might be some sort of generally accepted, you know, accounting term here, but there's basically three. Uh, there's pass, these are, these are categories of, loan, uh, of, uh, of loans, okay? There's pass, which basically just means like, hey, like this is a solid loan. There's nothing, like there's nothing worth even mentioning here, okay? Then there's something called, spe and I would introduce this into your business, Amr. Okay. I'm taking notes, dude. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, there's special mention. Special mention uh, are loans that the uh, that that there's some doubt of whether or not uh, you will recover, like the the, the 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 customer will be able to borrow or sorry, uh, pay pay the loan in some way. So like, uh, for example, right now a lot of San Francisco uh, office buildings would be considered special special mention right now because there's clearly things that are deteriorating their ability to repay their loans, okay? Whereas, you know, multifamily in Kelowna would be a total pass, right? Now, there's also, uh, so there's, uh, yeah, there's there's pass, there's special mention, and then there's non-actuarial. Um, um, and th these are basically loans that are shit. <laughs> these are bad. Um, so special mention tends to be loans that are uh, 30 to 59 days past due, tend to be, okay? But you could have a loan that hasn't actually missed a payment, but could still be special mention. Um, but 30 to 59 days past 60 is kind of like, yo, there's issues here like this, you know, like let's watch this past 90 is basically is considered default. 
So the moment that someone's past 30 days, the bank has to effectively consider that um, a non-performing asset. And then it goes into a separate category where at that point, uh, they, um, and different banks will handle this differently. They then go into recovery mode. So when they default on someone, they will try and repossess the asset and then try and sell it. So like, for example, let's say, whereas you don't have any collateral, so this wouldn't apply to you. But like, let's say in a car loan situation, let's say someone bought a $20,000 car that's worth 20,000, okay, and they've made some payments on it. So such that the car loan, the balance due is what's called 16 grand and the car is worth 17, right? The, the car loan company might repossess the car and then sell it off for 14 grand. So of the $14,000 or $15,000 they still had loan outstanding, they've recovered 14 of it. So their actual charge off was only 1,000, right? And so for you, obviously some of that wouldn't apply, but I think that the, the categories though for you, uh, the way that I would think about it is that if, if you actually are gonna have an AR thing and you can't solve the AR part of it, you would wanna have these categories so that at any given moment you can see, because if you look at your AR and say, oh, we have $66,000 of AR, which you're gonna list as a current asset, thinking in your mind as a capital allocator, oh, I'm gonna have 66 grand convert over the next four months into cash. You might be wrong if, 40 of that is past 90 days because you could basically actually just write that off as bad debt, which also, by the way, is uh, an accounting cost and you can legitimately deduct that from your taxes. Yeah, yeah. So when, we, when you take in the convenience fee, bad debt and the risks that all that at this scale, we're happy to pay that 10% premium because like that's that's well no it's a it's a hundred percent premium because instead of paying 10% on like a, a line of credit for us to do that, we we pay 20% for that. So we're happy to pay that currently. And then as we scale and we have like an accountant or a bookkeeping department that can handle that AR at scale, we can kind of take on that risk internally. Um, so that's that's kind of like the decision we've made. How come you guys settled on not taking on debt to, to uh, like finance it versus going down that path? Yeah, I just said, like instead of us having a line of credit, we, we, we settled on the convenience fee of like, we'd rather pay that 20% APR if it means yeah. we don't have to manage anything, don't have to collect anything, and we eliminate most of our bad debt. So it's like, that's not, that's kind of- Emmer, would you just change your price to maintain the same bottom line? That seems unethical to me. We haven't decided, but like, I know you guys do that at Rydell. I, I just, it just, because they end up- I don't, I don't think it's unethical at all. Okay. It just yeah, seems like because if, if they're paying a 7% interest rate, but it's like you bump the price of your product to cover the 5% fee that your lender would give you, then effectively isn't the customer paying like an extra no, percentage Amber, on top? What, of no, no. What you can do is you can do you can have a price of your of your thing and you can have a discount if you pay up front. OK, that's not unethical. So like. Not a, no. What are you talking about? For for those that have the ability to pay cash, get a discount. That's fucking amazing. Like for example, I pay. I mean, it's 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 not a lot, but I pay for all of my uh, car insurance upfront. Yeah, me, me too. And, and it saves and it money. saves in yeah yeah it saves about most insurance companies. You know, in Canada, I don't know what what do you guys have private insurance out in Quebec? No, it's or all. Or is it like a wait? What do you mean private car insurance? What are you talking about? Yeah, versus yeah. public. Like, like, like in, in BC, we have a government sponsored monopoly called ICBC. It's a government company. Oh. You, you can't choose any other company. But oh, no, no, no. It's all 
Okay, sorry. It. Sometimes I forget how communist BC can be at times. Either way, we have a we have a. ICP. I didn't even know that that was a thing. That's crazy. It's kind of fucking insane, actually. Yeah, like that you're is not insane. like yeah. Monopolies are illegal in the private market, but publicly it's totally fine. But either way, they you can only go through ICBC, <laughs> and if you pay for the year up front, I believe it's a six percent discount, which makes perfect sense for them because you know they'd rather have their money up front than than monthly. I guess it's the same logic as. Um... Is, John, would that be the same logic as like your biweekly payments being less than monthly divided by two? In a way. Well, the reason why that's the case is it's because a compounding you're paying. Ones. Yeah. Well, you're well. It's because you're paying your principal more often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just yeah. I mean, if you pay once a year, you, you're you're outstanding balance would be higher at any good moment. Now, the reason why insurance companies are willing for uh, it to give you a discount if you pay uh, up front is because then they can uh, lend it out right away. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, so they're willing to take so they're willing to take less money because they say, "Hey, like we'd rather have your money." So they're basically borrowing at six percent um, to have the money up front so they can lend it out right away. Yeah. Versus if you pay monthly, they they uh, don't make as much money on their investment. Makes sense. Yeah. The other thing too is that um, if you pay up front, it's also highly unlikely that you'll switch private. I mean, in, with ICBC, it's kind of irrelevant because you don't actually have a, a private alternative. Um, but for a lot of in companies, if it's an like an annual renewal is like is way more likely to get renewed automatically than a monthly one, right? Like that's why a lot of companies will say, "Hey, pay up for the year and you get a massive discount." Well, it's because they understand the math behind the odds of you going in and cancel, like re- even remembering to cancel your membership. It's just like like every year I get a, I get dinged with uh, Microsoft Word. I'm like, "Fuck," you know, like <laughs> I'm really canceling that. And then every year I'm like, oh, "Okay, I guess I'll just do another year of Microsoft Word," you know. <laughs> And then I just, so either way, yeah, there's certain companies that get you like that. Yeah. Does that Especially answer your question, John? Sticky. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, basically mm-hmm. you just want, you just want the convenience, but have you, but what's the long-term solution to Like, have you guys figured out a way of like, you know, reducing your AR completely or uh, no? better marketing and we're bringing on a marketing guy in-house? Yeah. That, basically that just trying change. to get higher demographics basically. Correct. Just better lead pool. And um, my, my bandwidth is way too low for me to like upgrade and test to like target better audiences so our next hire is going to be like a cmo kind of yeah okay because i was gonna say like if you think about it really what you you found is you found a niche that's the subprime 100 subprime contractors basically 100 right if you actually see like over time as our ads start serving like a different demographic our ar has increased so like it's part of no but but literally though i bet if you were to run a like like because you're mostly in the states right yeah, I bet if you were to run an average, like like if if you had all of your customers run a FICO score, I bet they're all considered subprime. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Like that's probably the demographic that you're in, right? Maybe the past three months, yes. But before that, it's it's actually been pretty juicy. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. No, but naturally though, like the people that you would you would attract to a course like yours that are seeking to like ma- make massive improvement in life, they're not typically going to be individuals like myself, right? They're going to be people that are. No, uh, dude, so y- you're very rare. I think in, in, well, yeah, I guess I'm not attracting you, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, I, yeah, yes. True. No, but like, I, I, I wouldn't imagine a lot of individuals like myself or like, are like your target demographic. N- not currently, but we're, we're slowly. Like you could design a product for someone like myself. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which I think would actually be quite nice at times like now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Fair no, enough, I was. Fair. Appreciate Question that. for you. <clears throat> I was talking to a few um, gym owners at this competition yesterday, and they were talking to me about some of the pain points of their business. 
but like getting people in the door, managing clientele, managing employees, managing AR. Would you ever take on coaching a gym? Uh, would I ever? Maybe. Sure. Uh, would I in the next three years? I was trying no. to figure out why not. That was my well, question. I, I was trying I like, to ask myself. It's outside of my circle of competency. And, yeah, that's pretty clear. And uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest answer. Well, Austin, share some of the the pain points. Well, that's what I was saying. So to me, yeah. So to me, the pain points were very similar. It's just that they they're in a different market, so the strategy to grow the business would be different as a whole. But their pain points were we yeah employee retention, AR management, accounting, capital allocation, like strategic spending on a limited revenue right they're not like an amazingly large gym um yeah that makes sense like trying to like reinvest back in the business yeah, it's like it's like all the stuff so, that you- so in the very long term like i'm talking like 10 20 years i i think because at, at the if you look at the dna of what we do is we help service-based businesses so there are some things that transfer over in fact we had a client for like many different reasons who transitioned outside of running a contracting business into a mail courier business and he rewatched our entire program from the beginning, but just switched some things out for him. And he's actually experiencing quite a bit of success. So I've always been aware that we can give some results to like service-based businesses. Um, it's just not our niche, not our bread and butter. And in our current stage where we're still very, very small, it's very important that we get like huge testimonials, big results, build up our reputation, have really niche t- type of marketing. And then the roadmap looks like, okay, well, instead of just contractors that are at this specific range with this specific problems, we start to niche out to solve problems for you and John. And then once we feel like we've actually have a, a wide range of uh, consulting services to service any type of business in the contracting industry, then we can transition into symbiotic businesses that would be like on the, on the edge of what a contracting business would be, like maybe a meal courier business, for example. And then from there, we can start slowly expanding naturally and then maybe eventually get to brick and mortar. But brick and mortar service-based businesses are like pretty far from where we are. We look for location-independent service-based businesses that require like travel and human labor. Um, Why for, is that? Because that's the DNA of what we offer, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, yes, we can expand and I have no problem expanding. It's just uh, uh, it doesn't make sense right now. Yeah, gyms yeah, seem to be incredibly, incredibly difficult business if you like I, th- I think there's some scale advantages in gyms that people would kind of neglect like y- you wouldn't think so but I-, I think that there's massive scale advantages like think about equipment alone like yeah, think about the fair, buying power cost well no but like no 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 but like uh like for example yeah well they just have a way lower cost of borrowing so like anytime fitness for example right they can they could probably borrow at a way lower rate they can buy all of this gym equipment and lease it to its franchise owners or just open up their own, you know, maybe corporate stores. I don't know what their actual structure is, but like there's so much capital required. Right. And so that has to be either equity or debt. It's one of the two. Right. Yeah. Um, and debt being either like you've borrowed like, you know, long-term or short-term for these, for these assets or uh, you're leasing them, which is also a form of debt. Right. And so a lot of gym owners, if you, of course, if you, or you can do equity, right? So you have your own money, you just buy all the equipment. Obviously, the upside to buying it is that you have no fixed cost, right? Other than depreciation. Um, 
But then if you lease it, of course you have a fixed cost every month. So then it puts it fire under your ass to actually have people in the door because otherwise your cash flow negative, right? Hundred percent. I was just trying to figure out where you would draw the line, Emmer. Yeah, yeah, we thought about that, and we get like some people through the door. Like I think the 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 thing like the next niche that might be on the fringe are like um, uh, like mechanic, like maybe mechanics or. Oh, yeah truck uh no 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 what what are they called logistics businesses yeah maybe but like uh there was a trade where you are a uh big rig mechanic where you travel to fix these big rigs that break down in different places different stations huh. so we just have to why, figure why out how to, did you just like come across a lot we, of these we people? got like yeah we get i get all types of people that kind of fall in and you already use you already do window cleaners oh yeah of course yeah yeah, so we we do car detailers as well, because what about a car like, detailer is a window cleaning business on a car, which is yeah. next to the property, so that works. We I actually saw this um, this new business that my Gabe and I were out marketing last week, and uh, we were in this neighborhood that this student business had taken off and started like uh, doing driveway sealing, like spraying that black residue yeah. on driveways. Yeah, that falls in the yeah. same category as like power washing, gutter cleaning. Yeah, roof it's repair. great to see. Like it was like a student business and they had like seven driveways freshly done on one road. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, who is this guy? You know, I want to, I want to. Yeah, like person. asphalt, you mean? Yeah, like sealing driveways. Like what a, what a, what a great business to get into. I'm assuming yeah. that it's like, you know. Incredibly seasonal though. Incredibly, incredibly seasonal. seasonal. Yeah. Incredibly seasonal. And then the other thing too is that incredibly weather dependent. Yeah. Which makes it highly sought after because it's so demor it's so demotivating to do it yourself. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Anyway. It's uh, also it's also stupidly easy to do. There's no barriers to entry whatsoever. You need no capital. I think I think really good companies have like a specific machine though that costs a lot of money. I think. Uh yeah, yeah well that you're talking about asphalt though, right? Mm -hmm. Like the blacktop. Yeah, that's a totally different thing. Yeah, that actually requires quite a bit. But those but then again, though, there's also guys that maybe uh, would say like they do like road work that they would probably have a cost advantage on you. For yeah. sure. But yeah, that's my that, that's uh, that's my answer. I did want to share some 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 lessons I learned this week, if you guys want. Yeah, for sure. Um, I learned. Uh, so I, I started. Whatever. I learned uh, two types of leadership. Like if you have somebody internally in your company that you're thinking of promoting, there's like two types of leadership that you want to look out for to just know like in the long term, who's going to really bite you in the ass versus like a person who will actually benefit the whole company. Okay. This is exciting. Okay. So there's reward-based leadership and responsibility-based leadership. So reward-based leadership, this is like this thinking kind of revolves around individuals thinking that they've earned the right to lead. And typically enjoy the money and the status benefits behind their leadership title. Yeah, yeah. So I made a company announcement saying, like, we will work hard to identify those people and remove them from our organization. Yeah. Whereas you want to, like, have responsibility-based leadership, which is this thinking revolves around individuals feeling that it's an honor to lead those around them. And they have a responsibility to improve the lives of those they come in contact with. So those are, like, the two... Uh, ones to look for and uh, that's very interesting yeah okay I mean, I, yeah i mean i i that's very insightful actually so it's the difference between i guess earning the right 
to be a leader versus feeling that you're owed a leadership role, let's say. Yeah, but it's like even the ones that take a leadership position, they don't feel like they deserve it. And they see it like just an honor bestowed upon them. And they just take it upon themselves, right. like the burden. It's okay. like, oh, shit. Like, like, a steward, now, like a stewardship. Yeah. Yeah, it's like now I have this responsibility of bettering all these people that I'm now managing, which means I need to give them way more than I've ever been given personally to make sure that they live better lives than I am, to help them avoid mistakes that I've made. Mm -hmm. It's like a yeah. heavy duty that comes with within you. That. So these are like that, that's, well, yeah, one one's more humble than the other. I mean, one's definitely more ego based, and the other one's much more humble based for sure. Exactly. So that was a distinction that we found, and um, you know, there's a couple of people I was looking at within the organization, and I'm just like. Um, you know, shout out to to Patrick for you know teaching me how to recruit and, and the nuances because I love the people I'm working with and we all love each other and it's just it's just yeah. and, and it's it's all the same. It's like a service. There's all these random acts where like you know Joe would do something for Dylan and Dylan would be expecting it and Dylan would like create a spreadsheet for Griffin to make his life easier and Griffin would do something for me. And it's just like and then yeah, land into something for Patrick. It's just incredible. Well, because on a similar boat, it, it kind of reminds me of the, the Machiavelli quote, right, which is talking about like not relying on mercenaries. And you can definitely see the mercenary, you know, characteristics in that in that first category, right, of individuals that are doing it for the money. They're basically they're for hire, right, the mercenary side of it. Whereas the other individuals, you can see they're much more like there's much more, you know, ownership, responsibility, right? Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And then there's a dichotomy I also learned about, which is specifically uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about this in sales. It can transfer over to other positions in a company. But if you really boil it down, and, and it's not like a bad, like I won't get too caught up on the word. It's just it is what it is. But like if you are a sales rep, you have to be selfish. And what do I mean by that? Specifically with your role, you need to like, it's all about you learning and you getting better and your clients and following up with your pipeline. That's how you succeed, like within that role. And that's a good thing. You want them to be selfish because when they win, the company wins. Whereas when you're a leader or a manager of people, you need to learn to be selfless. So why is that important? Because if you, what I've learned, which I haven't really tried, so I can't speak for myself, but this seems to logically make sense, which is if you have somebody who is a sales rep that you're training to be a manager, it's a bit tougher. It is very doable. But as the leader, you should look out for that dichotomy and just see like, okay, are they upholding that it, it's just tough to be in that spot, that you want to get them off that fence as soon as possible. Um, where the longer they stay there, the more it will hurt their closing ability and it will hurt their management style. And that's why, is because the if you boil it down, it's, it's, it's like the lens that you have to put on to succeed within that role. It, you can't blame the person for it. It's not like they don't care about others. It's just like they're just forced to really care about themselves and their result. So that's something I learned. Yeah, I, 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 I want to get mean, your thoughts on like, that. No, I, I agree with that completely. Like, um, like uh, someone who's in a sales role that's, you know, quote unquote, a people pleaser, I don't think they're going to do very well, right? Because they're just going to get pushed around and basically just they're not going to be able to close anything. But then likewise, if you have someone, let's say, on a production role, okay, like just kind of speaking specifically of the painting business, that's completely selfish. It's not going to work at all, right? Um, like your sales reps almost need a bit of an ego. 100%. Right? Whereas your production people need to be like completely humble, yeah. right? So. And if you look at Jocelyn versus myself, you can definitely see that, you know, like the difference there, right? Yeah. But then on the flip side, though, it's interesting because, you know, if I, if I think back to some of the people that I've tried, you know, in certain roles and things like that, there's definitely, uh, 
I can see where there, there can be where there's been conflict with who they are. And the it's pretty cool, right? It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, that's actually quite helpful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, I pay fucking. I think we're like at forty five thousand dollars Canadian with this one company we're working with to get coaching, and it's definitely helped our company. And you know, these are some some of the nuggets I'll pass along. So. Um. Uh, I I learned a bunch of other stuff. Do you guys want me to keep going? Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in in what you're sharing. Oh, cool, cool. Um, uh, Austin, you, yeah, you, for you, sure. No, I was yeah. literally just sitting back and processing that conversation, thinking about how that is present in either my business or other businesses that I'm coaching, and I can see how even just the confusion for someone between being a top performing, let's say, like if your only responsibility is to sell versus if you're then being tasked with managing salespeople, how just the just by virtue of having two different hats comes at a cost somewhere, right? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Like we, we, we already knew that, that that's the cost, but it's the, um, I like the selfish kind of aspect because it, it, it kind of helped me see it. Like your managers just need to be very selfless. Yeah. And that brings me to the next one, which is, um, I kind of, yeah, I always just thought managers make more money and that's actually not necessarily true specifically. And with like sales management, it is very normal for sales reps to make way more than sales managers. And so, or at least the potential to, yes. Yeah. The way it's been described to me, it's like, if you are an average if you're like a, a good sales rep, you will make way more than a good sales manager. But if, if you are an exceptional sales manager, you will make more than an exceptional sales rep. So that's, you know, you know what I mean? It's like that in the restaurant industry too. Like um, no server ever wants to become the dining room manager because exactly. uh, servers make Tips. way more fucking money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The dining room manager, right? Like, and there's, it's sales. It's literally a sales job. Serving is a sales job. So 100%. It's like, yeah. So the reason that's important for me is because if, if I'm looking at somebody to become the sales manager, that's an expectation I'm going to set with them. It's like, hey man, like if you're like good or really good, it's going to be normal that some of your, some of the people you manage might make more than you. And I want to know if you'd be, you know, you just like as a heads up, but if you want to make really good money, you actually just have to be like a top 1% stud for that to happen. So we can lay out a plan, but like, don't come to me complaining if you're one of your sales reps just made like double your paycheck in one month, because that's part of the game. Again, if you're just doing this for the money and the status, you know, you should probably not be a leader here. Um, like just stay as a sales rep. But there's just going to be a sacrifice of income. Um, and again, that comes down to my ability as a manager to understand their goals and to teach them like, you know, what temperance and moderation is. And, you know, that's kind of I take that on as a responsibility. But if I fail to do so, it, it would be disastrous for me to have that person in that position because I'll then I'll spend half a year training them for like a, an extremely linchpin type role at currently at my scale just for them to be disappointed and potentially might lose them. It's in their best interest for me to not allow that promotion and just keep them as a sales rep. So that was something I learned. Yeah, same same goes with painters too, right? I mean, I've got a lot of very, very good painters that they wouldn't work for a, a production manager role because you don't make as much as a production. Well, a really good painter is going to make more than a really good production manager, right? Um, an average painter maybe would make the same as yeah. a, a, a yeah, manager. Yeah. 
So they might, of course, there's also different job securities and things like that. That's what I'm about to say. Yeah. There's maybe more job security, more stability, better work life balance, and room for more upward mobility. Because, like, if you truly want to work and, you know, go from a manager to a position of leadership, like, you need to go and understand these different nooks and crannies. Um, so I learned that. I also learned, uh, you know, the old uh, analogy of, you know, for, for a man with a hammer, everything is a nail. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm probably fine from that. I feel like I'm pretty multidisciplinary. Um, but I kind of caught myself in, a, in a, an important moment because I spend most of my day working with people that like want my coaching and my advice and my inputs and perspectives. I just kind of assume that everybody does and everybody's just wanting. So I would sometimes find myself mm-hmm. in my day to day seeing somebody commit like some sort of act and I, I, st- I would like hold myself. I'm like, well, let's see. You know, it's like, you know, maybe have like a little bit of a soft probe, but then just realize they're not really interested and I just have to bite my tongue. So that was like a cool realization around biting my tongue that I just all like, it's kind of like delayed from the Omaha trip because Charlie Munger talked about, you know, his granddaughter bringing in some some boyfriends and he just, hates it all but he can't say anything because sometimes well, he says I, can, to bite his I can relate to that too because like so but in the reverse actually so like you you're a, you would say what's quote unquote you identify as a coach right and so your natural tendency is to give advice and to what's a coach like just to hop in right whereas my natural tendency is actually just to hop in and actually just get shit done Right. And so that's also the reverse where I'm having to step back and say, okay, no, like rather than actually doing this for the person, I should allow them to do it and coach them. Correct. So I'm, I'm actually right now, <clears throat> one of the biggest things that I'm having to uh, learn how to do is actually coach, right? Versus just doing with the person, right? And there's a difference between the two, right? Yeah. Or at least there seems to be a difference. Yeah. And then the. Last but not least, lose the firm money, and I will be understanding. Lose the firm a shred of reputation, and I will be ruthless. Oh, so, that's a I famous got that one. From, yeah, I got that from Warren Buffett, of yeah. course. That's when he got sprung into fame. Uh, when this, this was during the 1991 Solomon Brothers hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like that. So, No, I like that one, too. Mm-hmm. So true. It's so true. Yeah. And then the last, last but not least is um, as we start designing comp plans going forward for like managerial roles, we're going to start shifting how they're compensated to more of end of end of income statement metrics versus like top of income statement metrics. So we were thinking of designing like a comp where you get paid based on number of units or or um, yeah, like number of units was one of them. And I think we're going to eliminate that and just convert it to like the biggest, most important KPIs, which is close percentage and cash collected. And this will, I think, yeah. just in- incentivize their behavior to make sure that their sales reps are actually performing well. And that as they're well super as, cleanly executed too, right? As well as like, yeah, because if you design it based on units or or like revenue and not cash collected in my situation is you can have a sales manager who's not on the radar looking for like 
um, his sales reps taking the path of least resistance where they're just. Amber, it's so funny that this fucking has come full circle. So, do you not remember us talking about this? And, and I was talking about how I didn't want to pay all on the front end on the revenue. And I want to do some on the back end on the profit. And you were like, yo, you can't do that. I didn't say you remember can't this? do that. No, no. I was more like, I didn't say that. I, I would not have said that. Okay. I, I was definitely more. I was not. I was, not I was skeptical. You. I was <laughs> skeptical. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, but yeah. I, I definitely was skeptical. But no, you're totally right. Well, I, okay, that's not what I was trying to get at. But okay, um, question for you then. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Because one thing that I'm now thinking about is, what do you think a, a good way is to uh, a good comp plan for a production manager? Like currently, I basically just have an hourly rate with no caps. They can basically just work as much as they want, and that's basically it. And then there's some sort of some sort of discretionary bonus that I kind of give it at the end of the year. But it's there's not really one thing I I I, I kind of realized is that. Um, Jocelyn is someone who falls into that category you're talking about, Amber, who basically, you could, I could pay her next to nothing and she would still perform the same. You know what I'm saying? Um, I could offer her a double raise and she'd still work the same. Like she is always going to give it her best and always going to try and do the best by other people. Right. Um, but I have a new production manager and I'm realizing that he's kind of maybe the source of a lot of the fire and the dirt that's in the company right now. Not so much that he's like a fire and dirt or anything like that. Mean combo. No, no, no. But no, but I'm realizing that uh, I don't know because he was a painter for me for like four or five years. And then I tried doing him a bit of a stint as a sales rep. It wasn't going to work. He's just, he just wasn't, uh, he just was, it just wasn't going to work. He, he uh, like door knocking or anything like that was just not going to happen for him. He was way too shy. Um, didn't want just sales was just not as forte by any stretch um excellent painter great quality never had any issues with him uh was really good at training someone one-on-one but now i'm realizing that now that we've entered into a phase where you know we have like tons and tons of painters um he's basically completely underperforming in his role um to the point where like basically it's the difference between like you know I, i was on a job site uh for example on friday and it was like the fifth day of a project where these people have been working for us for like two weeks. And one of the employees like had a backwards ladder, was using a rock underneath the, the ladder, was using a four millimeter roller. Like literally there wasn't a, you know, he had like had the bottom half of the wall, two coats, but had the top like not even touched at all. Like there wasn't, there was, and the job site was a bit of a mess on the one side. There literally wasn't a single thing other than the fact, you know, his brush was like 20 feet from where his roller was too. There wasn't a, literally a single thing that he was doing properly, <laughs> like for the most, other than like there was paint on the wall, right? Like he didn't have bad quality or anything like that. And like, you know, if you didn't know like proper systems, like you know, it wasn't like the client walked over and was like, holy shit, this is a fuck show. You know, like he didn't know the difference. He's like, oh yeah, my house is being painted. And like, it, you know, it wasn't like, it didn't look bad that way, but I was like, man, like, you know, like I, I realized there's a massive gap here and like, this is like this new production manager doesn't, I, 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 at least this is my diagnosis. I don't think he knows how to succeed in his role. <clears throat> and I don't know if he's necessarily incentivized to, right. And the conclusions that he's coming to, as far as like what, um, like what the solutions are, I, I, I are, are like, I need way more time training and things like that versus how do I actually like, you know, I mean, if you spent any amount of time with someone, obviously they would be in a different position than that. Right. Um, so anyway, this this individual I'm now having to spend this whole week with, or at least I want to, to try and see if I can make this work as far as, uh, is it a salvageable situation? Like, is this guy, you know, who's an excellent painter, 
you know, and has certainly helped last year with some production management. Is he capable of actually doing this right role? Last year, um, I, I, I kind of, there was a, uh, uh, he was responsible for a very large strata project for a long time where he was basically a painter on it. And in hindsight, it wasn't a very profitable project. It didn't actually go very well. And there was a lot of things that I was kind of maybe blind to of why that actually happened that I thought maybe like I almost like fell into the excuses of, oh, this is why that happened. But now that I'm seeing him in a role where he's actually only doing production management, no painting, it's basically a total fuck show, the crews that he's managing, the job sites he's managing. Well, John, do you think it's right? a question of, because your original question was compensation, right? Yeah. Is it more of a question of like fit or are you just curious in general about compensation or is it fit with this well, one person? Um, so for this individual, I think it, it definitely might be a fit thing yeah. for sure. But no, but, but, but the reason why I led with, I mean, I don't know, actually even know why, I mean, there wasn't actually any reason to lead with comp. I mean, it was almost a two, two, two in one yeah. question, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't necessarily. Cause the comp, I guess comp. like for him, maybe it, it is changing his work ethic slightly, but it seems like he might just be unfit. Well, I don't think he knows that he's underperforming. Right. Like, oh, I, I don't okay. think that he's, I, yeah, yeah. That's why, I, that's why I brought up the comp thing is because I don't think like. Like, like right, a sales rep, because for based on how he's yes, being paid, he yeah. would not know that he's underperforming, right? Yeah, like yeah, he's yeah, just getting paid $25 an hour, yeah. and he's just like, yeah, hey, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting, you know, like, that's why, that's why I brought the comp thing. Because, like, yeah, if, yeah. if I paid, like, that's for example, good. Brady, I'm doing a great job, I'm getting only, paid 25 bucks. Yeah, Brady literally only gets paid on the profit. Yeah. So, like, he would know very quickly whether or not he was actually <laughs> producing, you know, the results. But this individual, yeah. I'm realizing, man, like, he, um, yeah, like I'm trying to figure out whether or not it's a good fit or not, right? And, and it's and yeah. it's it's like for me, it's actually a really hard like kind of sore spot for me because, you know, this kid's been working with me since he was 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was one of the first employees that you know that I that I really like hired. If you know what I mean, like you know the first few years of my my business was a total blur, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's well, I mean, I can say his name is Noah. Yeah. So are these um yeah. Uh, is Noah like? Let's say if Noah had eight painters and Jocelyn had eight painters, is Jocelyn? I'm just, I, we don't run it that way. We don't. Run okay, it whatever. Way. So, well, I guess. Okay, how how does it work then? The structure. Well, Cause does Jocelyn <laughs> and Noah both manage the same teams? So, and this is where maybe some of my ideas on management have potentially reach their max as far as scale goes right <laughs> but so um so basically uh the way that it's currently set up um like for jocelyn and, and noah uh and we've changed some systems now in the last couple weeks that i've been involved in production but so the, the idea is now is that basically when brady books a job okay uh ideally in if you're familiar with our, our crm basically in the note section on on simon it's going to explain what the production need, team needs to do next in order for the project to even start. So usually for us, it's going to be something to do with color matches mm -hmm. and then any sort of like notes that are relevant to like, um, you know, like bring plywood or anything that's above and beyond what a standard yeah, crew yeah, would yeah. have, you know, or like yeah. a 32 foot ladder or, hey, book in a yeah, lift, yeah, yeah. you know, for this, you know, but typically it's going to be color match. So Noah initially was more like last year, he was kind of more of a float painter slash like kind of like jocelyn's like just kind of assistant like so she would kind of just have him do things um randomly you know like like hey go grab this match so whereas this year he's much more in an independent role right. where there's not really a hierarchy per se um where jocelyn and noah are kind of working together on the same problem um and so they kind of more or less tackle it together although jocelyn definitely still is more of the organizer if that makes sense so I, I schedule the projects, eventually Brady will, but I currently schedule the projects. 
at that point, the production teams of Noah and uh, Jocelyn, they look at the schedule and they basically see all of the upcoming projects and they start chipping away at all of the matches, get all that in done. Yeah. So that the projects are ready to be started. Okay. Yeah. Once the project starts, it's kind of more or less uh, the type of the project. Like, so if it's a spray job, Noah is much more knowledgeable in spraying than Jocelyn. So he will typically do that. Right. right. Most of the training currently is being done by Noah, and I'm realizing that's a massive blind spot to my business because realistically at this point, uh, I just got to plug in my laptop. Uh, basically, if someone starts and they already have painting experience or they're already knowledgeable in painting, we're having a lot of success with those individuals because, you know, they like our company, et cetera, and they, they don't really require a lot of training. But anyone that doesn't have like that needs actual like legitimate training is basically just like it's just not working out. I, I guess uh, I don't all. really it's not really clear how. Uh contracts get dealt with when they come into the business and well maybe maybe job. rather me explaining my systems maybe you ask me questions yeah, yeah okay so then yeah. um job gets booked by you or brady uh jo well right now 100 percent of the projects will be booked by brady okay. going forward yeah until we have a sales rep come out in september so job is booked by brady yeah contract is then updated the notes are updated in the crm and yeah jocelyn and noah know from there that they need to take the actions necessary to get that job to let's say production ready right correct yeah they they also get a physical like they get like we get the sales team we give the contract okay, yeah, yeah. to jocelyn specifically yeah and then jocelyn and then, she does she does the production planners okay jocelyn does the production planners and then she then does she delegate tasks to noah directly or is that you They work it out between the two of them. So let's say Jocelyn gets 10 jobs handed to her on Monday morning from the previous week's sales, and she's going to have Noah maybe go run around and grab six color matches that week for jobs that got booked last yeah. week? Or is she yeah. only going to start actioning those to-do lists or notes as we, you put them so in the, the schedule? The, so one of the things that that they weren't doing was getting ahead. They were kind of more yeah. or less just like kind of like running on a treadmill. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so the goal now is basically that you just have like a master because now like we have a production deadline list, so you can kind of sort them in order okay, yeah. roughly when they're supposed to be done. So the goal is to have basically have all matches done at all times. Like you, don't, you like so do them as we book them. Even if the job's not going to be done until September, just do it way in advance. We don't want to have to wait until last minute. Obviously, sometimes you have to wait for various reasons, but the goal is to get it to the point where they're so far ahead on matches that they're not like doing a match for next week. That's, you know, like that mm -hmm. would never, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jocelyn would be, you know, like, so right now Noah can do most matches. So Jocelyn still does color testers for the most part. Like, so if there's a color consult where she goes to the house, puts the testers on the walls and the client picks one, she's almost exclusively doing that. But if there's like a custom match, like let's say you have to like get like a trim match or whatever and it has to go the same color, Noah would then go do that. Does that make sense? Because it's like, it's just an easier task that Jocelyn's like really good at the testers. Noah's not necessarily like, you know, as confident to that. Yeah. Okay, so I then have, jobs get scheduled. Of, yeah. Sorry, hold on. Jobs get scheduled and then they go to get produced. Does Jocelyn choose which jobs Noah's managing painters on and what jobs she's managing painters on? Or how does that work? Well, in in there's there's not really who's managing who kind of per se, or at least it it doesn't at least from my perspective it doesn't seem like there's like a hey like these are your crews these are my crews that's not really what's happening right. at all. It's kind of more like like it's a team effort just completely. Like it's not like this is Jocelyn's job, this is Noah's job. 
it's kind of these are everyone's jobs. Oh, okay. Well, then how do you how do you combat currently against like entropy or even groupthink? Let's say as a, as, a, as a general example, meaning like Jocelyn thinks Noah's got it and Noah thinks Jocelyn's got it. So this, so yeah, so this was yeah, so this was a massive issue, and then so now. I'm getting a lot of resistance from Noah in particular because he doesn't see the value in it. But there's a group chat where basically everyone has to post everything. They every time they like they they're switching tasks, they have to more or less give some sort of update of what actually happened and then what they're about to go do. Right. And then um, I guess one thing I should mention too is that the night before every single day that you're going to go work, you know, so like, for example, if Jocelyn and Noah aren't working on a Sunday, they wouldn't post anything Saturday night, but maybe Brady and I would still post something. Right. right. But the night before you have to post your ABCs for the next day. And this is just to enforce everyone planning their next day, the day before. And so basically a task or tasks that have to be done that day by you mm. B tasks or tasks that have to be done that day, but not necessarily you like you could potentially delegate if needed. Right. And C tasks are things that either a 100% need to be delegated or they're just so low, low priority that you don't necessarily need to do it today. Um, and the goal is to basically only be doing a tasks. Um, and uh, like, so for example, like, um, yeah, so I mean, so like, but Brady would also do this. So if Brady, like, I'll give you an example for Brady. So Brady would be like, hey, guys, um, you know, like he would post the day before, you know, his ABCs or whatever. And then during his day, it would say he's like, hey, guys, um, you know, just finished calling session. I booked, you know, six estimates. They were all pretty solid. I'm going to start doing follow-ups, right? And so throughout his day, he's going to be posting updates of what's happening, right? Um, his aren't necessarily super relevant, but the idea behind it is that I just want to get everyone involved in the habit of posting in there. And so if Brady books a job, be like, hey, guys, I booked a you know, any grand full exterior, you know, for July or whatever. Right. right. Yo, I find it if fascinating I make changes, that you have this ABC yeah. chat. Well, it's a group chat where we post everything, but yeah. So all of your yeah. painters or just the managers? No, this is only the four managers. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, the, the painters don't currently have a group chat because they don't necessarily need to, like, they don't, they're not working yeah, together no, the yeah, same yeah. way that management is. Um, if you think more about group chat, and then I'll kind of let you guys go. Yeah. So, um, and I actually really need your guys' help with my production. Yeah. It's it's a bit of a mess, yeah. Um, so, uh, where was I? So the, the posting in the chat, um, the group thing. Oh, yeah. So, like, um, for myself, the big thing that I'm posting in there is if I make any changes to the schedule, I post it in there so that everyone kind of – so that they're not having to constantly check the schedule, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll know if I made any changes. That's the main contribution I make to that right now. Um and then otherwise, Joe, Jocelyn and Noah throughout the day are basically constantly putting things in there so that everyone knows what's going on in production. Like, hey, just set by the John Lee job, you know, Noah, you know, there's another Noah. Noah is doing really good. He seems like he's, you know, good quality, doing fast. Cody might need a bit more work. Um, you know, they're in a good spot right now heading to the next job site, right? So everyone's calling, you know, hey, just got the Levesque payment or just always constantly updating everyone in the group of what's going on or hey, I was just at this job site. It looks like they're going to be back a day. We'll update group chat by end of day. So that way I know as the scheduler, hey, I need to know to push the next the next job back. Wow. But then also sometimes like let's say uh, we're like a really good one for where why it's actually important for Brady to be in the group chat as the sales rep is to be like, hey, Brady, this is the second fence in a row where the prep's been fucked. We've had, we've had to eat labor cost on this. Make sure that you're tighter on your, your fence quotes going forward or, you know, something like that, right? Or like sometimes like, 
because like what would happen sometimes is that the production team wouldn't really let the sales team or myself or Brady know that hey we're misquoting something like hey guys stop selling this type of job it's not workable yeah, right like yeah, if you have yeah. blue siding don't do one coat because it's it's clear base right yeah so then now the sales team knows to hey if there's clear bases don't sell one coat yeah it makes sense so that's the goal of group chat um Jocelyn is we're all kind of just getting in the habit of doing it so there's like the general kind of like forgetfulness but yeah. noah is like actually like straight up just resisting it he doesn't see value in it which is why i'm gonna spend some i think possibly yeah Emmer, you go ahead no 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 i was scratching my face oh, okay uh is is noah more introverted john very much so yeah yeah so i had a very introverted manager a couple of years ago in my painting business and uh the constant stimulation of communication would really bother him because the thing with introverts is that they tend to want to be quite formulaic with their communication and, and be in control of when communication is put upon them. So very much Noah. He's so very, very formal and extremely methodical. Yeah. So he like has a lot of thorough assets. to the point of like almost annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a lot of assets that can be benefit to, to your someone business. like myself. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine why thorough is annoying to yeah. someone like me. I'm like the least thorough person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's possible that this communication structure just bothers him because it's overstimulating, right? Like it's incredibly stimulating for sure. Yeah. yeah. And if he feels like, cause for introverts, let's say stimulation is brought on by communication and sociability and, and, and socializing or constantly talking to someone that's really stimulating. And so it'll drain them. And then for Noah, maybe there's a possibility too, that like he thinks that the group chat's there because he he needs to have an eye kept on him or yeah i think that's the biggest resistance right now is that noah the biggest resistance is like so jocelyn like when i go on a ride along with her she's like this is awesome you know the boss Open is with me learning lots yeah. she's like this is amazing like i'm so excited that john's with me you know and like she like she's like the days go so smooth and she's just like happy as can be that i'm there right and she's like all years whereas noah's like why the fuck does john have to come with me mm -hmm. you know like he's like you know, like he's very resistant to anything that I say as far as like, cause it's like, I think that what happened, there's a dynamic there where I have to kind of clear the, clear the beef with him a little bit where I think that there's a, we've been working together so long that I think that there's, you know, he understands me quite well and I understand him quite well, but I think that there's a bit of resistance in the sense that, um, like by me giving him advice or me like offering advice, it's, it's to him, it's almost like, uh, him having to acknowledge that he doesn't know. Yeah. And like, that's like the, where the ego maybe comes in a little bit. And then likewise, like, if anyone, like if Jocelyn was to say, hey, Noah, you know, um, can you do this or whatever? He's like, well, that was the plan. Like, like, as in like, he was already on top of it, right? Versus being like, hey, I agree or whatever, you know? So my experience with introverts and in management positions is that they can be extremely effective, but they have to be extremely independent. They have to have their own tasks. They can't have anyone really stepping on their toes or else they'll just think that it's covered. Because if they ask, if they ask, if they get asked to do something, it's done. But if they get told that it, this responsibility is shared amongst a group of people and they get the sense that someone is going to handle it, they won't even confirm with that person that they're going to handle it and they just won't do it. So it, my experience with this is so this is so this is so Noah. Yeah, because I had a really effective introvert uh, production manager. But he literally like I couldn't do anything for him and no one could mess with his crews. No one could talk to his crews because he would have such a good. This is so Noah. This is literally everything I'm struggling with. Yeah, because right but but the thing is, yeah. John, is that I would recommend giving Noah carte blanche control over two crews. 
So John- no, I know, but the but the thing is, is that like I can't like he's his role is not like that's not what I need him for, you know. Well, then maybe it's not the right fit for the role you need. But but my but my my ideal, like if I was in your shoes, based on what I understand of your business, yeah. I would say Noah's biggest asset to the business is going to be quality control and having painters follow a rigid structure because that's easy for him. And if he's, if he's, it is, but he's struggling to train right now, which is kind of the biggest surprise that I'm, that I'm seeing is I don't, it doesn't really like he, like I just kind of would have thought that he would be an amazing trainer and he might be, but he might just not be like the current system might not like really fit for him because maybe he's not getting enough time with the painters, but at the same time, like, like I'm someone where like, if you gave me 30 minutes with someone, I could fucking like, I could change their entire fucking painting career in 30 minutes. Like as far as not because I'm such an effective trainer, but just because I'm so right to the fucking point, like there's no bullshit. Yeah. It's all, it's just all information. Whereas it seems like, like, and that's where maybe there's a conflict between Noah and I is because Noah's like, oh, well, how the fuck could John possibly have trained properly if he's only there for 30 minutes? Whereas I'm sitting there like, dude, how the fuck does it take eight hours to train someone? Yeah. So there's this massive conflict there where he's like dude i can't fucking train effectively if i'm not there the whole day and i'm thinking myself dude i can't afford to fucking pay you a full day of training so you know what i mean like we're trying to launch this many crews so there's this massive conflict there where it's like we're both just butting heads on these topics right yeah i i, I did definitely experience that as well and i think that with introverted people there is going to be a cap to that scaling and size that they can manage because they're so quality and structure focused that they're not willing to sacrifice one yeah. percent of quality and structure for any sort this of this is a hundred percent Noah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and there's a massive like Noah almost looks down upon me for trying to grow the business of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, He's I like, had dude, a like, I had a similar, yeah, yeah, yeah. similar yeah. experience. Like he almost has contempt towards the way that I operate the business because yeah. of that. Yeah, right. Not realizing that I actually don't want to sacrifice quality. I just want to have a certain level of efficiency. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. And there's all and I almost get the, I almost get this weird vibe that he might be like purposely sabotaging to like prove his point you know and that's like a dark thought but i don't know damn because like, like it's it's kind of it's is kind he of incentivized how... to self-sabotage for his self-interest uh he only gets paid hourly so i don't know so if he just wanted to prove a point out of pity out of, out of spite then then he could he and could not be impacted and, by it. and we'll get paid more. and not be impacted no. and we'll be paid more because it'll take him yeah i guess he would have to work more yeah but he doesn't want to work more though he, he really doesn't maybe it's just worth asking noah like noah what do you think you're good at what do you think you're bad at and how and what do you want to do less of what do you want to do more of is actually i know i know question. well the issue though is that is that i don't want to necessarily lose him but i don't know what to do with no him. you're not going to like, lose him by asking that out. question what do you want to do more of well, what no, do you no. want to do less of no but he, well sorry let me just like let me explain like like where what my fear is right is that he's 23 24 he he's graduated with a business degree in management and he's clearly a talented and good like he's obviously really like he's competent i just i just i don't think the current role is a fit for him but i don't know how to like i don't know what else i could get him to do because without underutilizing him if that makes sense yeah well my my take is that you give him a portion of production that's it there's no other way around it if you want him in a management role and you don't want him just painting and you don't think he would like just painting anymore now that he's been promoted and wouldn't be comfortably being like demoted again. My opinion is that you have to give him a piece of the production capacity of the business. You essentially have Noah running a quarter or a third or a half 
and Jocelyn doesn't deal with anything. Like Jocelyn can't tell Noah what to do. Noah has to be 100% independent and self-sufficient or else Noah will grow to resent Jocelyn and you because he feels like he's not being given the control he needs to be the best at his job. The only 100% way- 100% the case. Yeah. Is there any way around that though? Is there any way to be like, hey, Noah, I like, can we just not operate this way or no? Personally, I haven't had luck trying to rationalize out of those weaknesses. Yeah, it makes perfect sense because, like, in hindsight, like, him as a painter, like, it was his fucking job. Yeah, exactly. There was no going on there and saying anything. Yeah. Like, he knew every square inch of that house. If I even walked up and even looked at the house, he'd be like, dude, I already know. Like, he, like you know what I mean? Because he owned that job. So, right? the best part about yeah. people like Noah is that when you give them a lot of responsibility, that th- they and only them are responsible for, meaning Jocelyn doesn't have any say, not even so much as, like, Sure, you're going to schedule the job, but then Noah does the color matches, the communication with the crews, the client confirmation email, or maybe you send the client confirmation email, but maybe he like texts the clients to make sure that they know they're coming the next day. Like he does everything to prepare for the job and you give him the responsibilities of, let's say one, two or three crews. And he senses that quality starting to dip in Noah's head. That's a hundred percent on him now. Like he has this high standard for himself kind of but i think that but i think that i think that his outright now is that oh it's it's just the way that john's running things that's why right but he has to the conversation i agree the conversation like he doesn't think it's his training he yeah. thinks it's because of me. yeah you yeah. would have to have a conversation with him where he selects and defines this new role once he selects and defines it i see like then, i might have to just like rethink this role right no you the alternative is i just find someone who's also like jocelyn yeah the, that is the alternative jocelyn. but yeah, to have luck with yeah. people to have good um use of people like noah is you have to get noah to choose the position and define it and that is when you are going to get the greatest adherence to Noah. yeah because right now if yeah. he feels like you're defining his role and you're telling him what to do to be good at it he's not going to do that yeah, I haven't really, I mean, because I'm not one to define roles. I kind of, if anything, I basically let him and Jocelyn figure out what he was going to do. But it's just like, like I said, like we're not getting like, the, 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 like, like empirically, we're just not getting the results we want, at least like where he's working, right? Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say. I don't know if you wanted to jump in. Amber. No, I got a lot from, I got a lot from that though. And it's just, it's, it's, um. It's not what I wanted to hear, but it's, but it's, it's yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the, the way that you articulated that was just like that's like it, it's it's everything I couldn't say, but you just said it, yeah. Um, it, do like it, do you think there's a way that because uh, like what we need no like what we need Noah for is uh moving equipment for crews that can't move equipment at times, right? Like just like logistically, if you have ten crews, Jocelyn can only move equipment yeah. for some crews versus you know him um and then we need him for training um it's not so much that jocelyn's bad at training but there's so many stimuli in jocelyn's life that to actually like be present in training with someone's pretty yeah, yeah, difficult yeah. for her you know what i'm saying like it's she's great at training if, if she, there's nothing else going on but there's so many other responsibilities that she's having to go take mm-hmm. care of that she she doesn't always necessarily fully deliver on that experience although i think she's much better at training than she she lets on mm-hmm. um uh because the people that she trains actually is training a continuous good. thing for you all year or is it more front heavy in this in this time of the year it's definitely front heavy um and but also pro works i'm trying to transition it to the point where it's going to be less heavy over time 
because I'm gonna I'm hoping to eventually get it to the point where a lot of the painters will end up training their own apprentices. Yeah. That's kind of the model I want to try and get towards. Um, we just had two really bad years of recruiting. So it happens to be that this year is a year where we have a lot of onboarding. Mm -hmm. But currently, as it speaks, though, we don't have that many. Like, we probably only have, like, six employees that require, like, I would say, like, fairly extensive training yeah. right now. Yeah. Amber, did you want to add anything? But the way I structure, but the way I structure my jobs, though, is, like, they are doing, like, the same job for, like, an entire month. So it's, like, it's not like you have to train them on 18 different things. Like, you have to just get them confident yeah, on one yeah. task. And then that's because we have so much scale that way. Yeah. Where, like, one crew might only be doing staying jobs for the whole summer. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But so my current plan was to go spend three days with Noah, like, on the tools and just see what he's doing and just see, like, see, like, what we can make work. I think that would like, be, a, like, yeah. from my experience working with people like Noah, that would be a bad use of both of your time because he, what he's going to conclude from that is that, A, you don't trust him, and B, it's reinforcing his belief that, you want things done a certain way that he's not doing and what you need to give no, people like Noah, maybe. what you need to give people like Noah is room to move and a hundred percent autonomy. Like you need to define a role that he chooses that he, that, that he has defined he's chosen and then let him run. Don't, don't check in on him more than once or twice a day. Let him feel the pain of his mismanagement so that he understands what he's done wrong and he can't chalk it up to anyone I but himself. I feel like that's where we're at, though. I feel like that's where we're at right now. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I haven't told him to fucking do shit. Like, I literally said, hey, man. But like, isn't you know, Jocelyn always Jocelyn. in communication with him about stuff? Telling him what to do? Um, Not really, though. So who tells Jocelyn's him where to go and what to do? Um, I think that no, in a lot of ways, decides what... Like, like, it's obvious what needs to be done. Like, Jocelyn might point out, like, hey, like, these are the things that I need from you or whatever, you know? Um, but what I'm hearing is that there's no yeah. predictable structure for Noah to understand yeah. how to excel at his job because things are usually changing week to week, day to day on who he manages and what he does. Yes. That's really bothersome yeah. for people like Noah. Is if he's yeah, not working okay. with the same people on similar jobs with similar... Man, I don't know how I'm going to make this work then. Because I, well, I need someone who... I mean, I described yeah. how you could make it work, but if that's not fitting to your business, then I understand your point. Well, I, I just don't know how that would work. Like, I mean, like, because I mean, I, like, what I really need Noah for specifically is training. But I, I mean, like, him only going around training, like, I, I would need some, like, I would need him to move equipment too, right? And so... Um... Why Noah? Why, why does Noah have to do the training, you mean? Why did you select Noah for the training and delivery? Um, I selected Noah for the, well, the, the, the delivery just because it's just something that, that, you know, if you're a production manager in the field already, I mean, you're, you know, naturally you're just, yeah, he has a, he has a company vehicle, it's a van, and that's just why I selected that, right? I mean, it just, it, it made sense to me at least that if he was already in the field, he would already be like collecting customer payments, already on job sites, like he could you know, him and Jocelyn can kind of coordinate, okay, what equipment needs to be moved and things like that. Um, but the uh, the training was more or less because, well, I guess a few things. One, every single time, like, so Noah's been working with me for five years, and any year that I've ever given him someone, they've always been a good painter. Like, his partner, like, I could always give him someone, and by the end of the summer, they would be, like, a good person, like, a good employee. Like I never, like I never, I've never given Noah someone that he, that's worked with him a whole summer and like had that person quit or like be like a terrible quality or anything like that. Like Noah's really like done a good job of grooming someone, right? 
But the difference now is that he's having to, you know, train multiple people and not spend infinite time with them. Right. So he doesn't have like like the time horizon for his training is totally different than it was previously. So that's a new variable. Um, and then the other thing is that Noah knows all aspects of painting, maybe even better than I do. Like he knows how to like any aspect of painting. He basically has expert understanding of like he's incredibly intelligent that way. Like he, you know, like, you know, as far like especially spraying, spraying is like his, his absolute forte. Yeah. So I just naturally thought, OK, like, hey, like if Noah is Jocelyn, you know, because I, I I was trying to match like Jocelyn's weaknesses to Jocelyn or to Noah's strengths. I figured, okay, well, Noah doesn't have a ton of experience managing a fuck ton of job sites. So I figured, okay, well, if jo if Noah more or less takes the, these two major tasks off of Jocelyn, moving equipment and training people, I figured that'd be a good fit. But it, it's just, it's not, it's not ending up being a good fit. Right. It, it seemed like it'd be a good fit. Right. And, and maybe, maybe there's a way of making it, maybe there is a way of structuring it so that Noah feels like he has more autonomy in his training and things like that. Right. Um, but take in mind, I haven't, I've never trained him on how to train people. I've never told him how to train anyone. I've never even seen him train anyone. I've never even been on a job site with Noah training anyone. Jocelyn's never trained him on training anyone. Like no one has spent any time with Noah on how to train people. Like, so there's, he has total autonomy in that way. Like up until the group chat, I've never even fucking called Noah basically. Austin with the person that you referenced earlier. Um, did you train like Jocelyn did you and train are the only two people to talk? Yeah. Did you train that individual and give him structures in the beginning before letting them loose? Yeah. Uh, you mean the, the manager? Did I train them or did the, I train the, the painters they were managing? The very formal introvert. When you promoted yeah, yeah. them, did, did you also give them clear KPIs, structures, to-do yeah. to -do lists, yeah. and then you let them loose? Yeah. Got it. If, okay, so maybe that's what I'm. Maybe that's just what I'm lacking. Maybe I just, and that's why I wanted to go spend time with him this week. Was like I just wanted to maybe get him to a point of like, hey man, like here's kind of roughly, you know, and and I, the way I worded it to him was like, hey man, like I think there's a lot of things that I can learn from you and things you can learn from me, and let's just maybe get on the same page of like what we're actually working towards, and then from there, you know, you can just kind of you know go do your thing. And I, I was hoping to spend three days with him so that I could see one what he's doing and why it's not working. And then what's a better solution? And then also one of the things I was also trying to figure out is, is he even a good fit? Like, you know, I've, I've, I spent a day with him a couple weeks ago and it was totally fine. And he seemed to really be liking his role. But a few weeks later, I'm like looking at the results of, you know, his, you know, his, his training. And it's like a total disaster. Like I wouldn't, like, I, I would say that, like, it's, it's just hard to believe that they've received any level of training. Yeah. And that's my concern. Austin, if I was to wave a wand and you're now in John's business, what would you do with Noah? Yeah what, yeah, what would you guys do right now? Uh, so first thing I would do is I would call Noah or schedule a meeting with him. I'd say, Noah, uh, I just want to ask you a few questions. How do you think the year's going so far? What do you want to do more of? What do, you, what, what do you want to do less of? And do you have any feedback for me or anything I could do better to run the business or serve you? And from those four questions, I would get a lot of insight about where Noah's at. Okay, okay. hold on. Let's... Let me write these questions. Okay, go ahead. What are those questions? How do you think the year's going what so do you far? Do? What do you want to do more of? How, what do you want to do less of? How do you think, very specifically that question though, like not how, how do you think you're doing, but how do you think the year? How do you think the year's yeah. going so far for the business? Yeah. Yeah. How do you think the year is going so far for the business? Okay. What do you want to do more of? What do you want to do less of? That's two questions yeah. though. 
And then do you have any feedback for me as the owner on how I could better serve you? What can I, what can I do to better serve you? Uh, yeah, to better. Austin, w- Austin, what are your thoughts on just having that last question be the first question with someone like no one to actually open up the conversation? I, I feel like question, I totally could. Uh, my experience with leading with questions like that is that it's a bit shocking and you get it's like, too early, too early. early. Yeah. 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 You gotta, you gotta it's pretty I dense. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, so whatever okay. he answers from those four questions, John is going to give you a really accurate picture of where Noah's at mentally with this year, with this role and how he views himself. Because at the end of the day, it's not about what you think of Noah. It's actually about getting Noah to align his perspective with what you want Noah to be. In my opinion, right? Because it's like, if Noah's performing up to your KPIs that you have for Noah in your business, that's great. But it's going to be pretty short lived, in my opinion, if Noah doesn't feel aligned with what those KPIs are for Noah as an individual, right? So it's like they have to be the same thing. Like the way that you measure Noah's KPIs has to be the same way that Noah measures Noah's KPIs. And once you have that alignment, you'll always be speaking the same language. Yeah, and get in, get in sync. Yeah, and then once you're speaking the same language, then you can actually have a conversation about the role. Because you're like, okay, well, you know, it, your feedback for me is that you'd rather be more independent or you'd rather, to, you'd rather do more training and less management or you'd rather do more driving and less management or you'd rather deal with Jocelyn less or you'd rather deal with clients less or you'd rather deal with untrained painters less, like whatever the case is, right? And you're like, okay, so that's interesting because I want to know based on that, what you view your potential role as, like, what is your ideal role? Like if you were to just describe a role in the business that you get cart, like just describe it, what's Noah's ideal role. And, uh, yeah, what, if you, yeah, what, what do you want to do when you wake up in the morning? What, what, what would you hope that you would only do? Up? And I guess it's the more or less, yeah. like, what are you doing currently that you wish you weren't doing? What do you, what are you doing that you wish you did? More? Exactly. And I, I know that Noah would want to do more training. Yeah. And be like, look, okay, well, here's, here's my challenge. Noah is that. I don't think training's a full-time role and I can't fund a full-time training role. So it's one of two things. It's either you're managing painters with Jocelyn as is and doing training. Or I, I guess I'm, not, I'm getting into the technicalities and I don't really want to start mentioning well, like routes you could take. But, but if, 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 if he gives an answer that can't be fulfilled, instead of kind of giving the answer when you just ask him more questions correct because yeah. to help like have him problem solve his situation yeah and be like noah like because I... passively through that you get buy-in because he's mm-hmm. saying it right yeah exactly so hmm. i don't really believe that it's wise like i guess this is more of like a business ethics conversation now but i don't really know I don't agree with firing people per se. I agree with having people select themselves out of the business that naturally happens through through conversations like that, right? So if you have a conversation like that with someone and you realize- I think we're far from that with Noah, just an FYI. No, I I think think we're not not close. No, I I wasn't trying to say that John would fire Noah. I was just starting at a polarizing end. No, I wouldn't fire Noah. I was starting at a polarizing end, which is- People should. No, actually, it's quite the opposite. I really don't want to have to. Like, my fear really is that I actually really enjoy working with Noah. And my fear is that I just put him in a spot that, because I put him in the sales role and it didn't work out at all. Right. And then now here I put him in a second role and it's also not working out at all. Right. 
And I just, I want to find a role that, that fits Noah. That's really all well, I then, do. John, I, I think if I were in your shoes, I would just tell Noah that. Because if Noah feels... Yeah, but we're doing this in the midst of trying to also produce... Yeah. I know. <laughs> you know, but yeah. if Noah yeah, yeah. feels... Like, so if, I'm having to go and fucking have this conversation while we're driving if around. If Noah feels you know? like you're only doing this to try to fit a killer into the perfect role for that killer, then he's going to think differently about you changing up his role, right? Yeah, no, I, I think that... And, 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 and it's quite possible, too, that... Um, that... Uh, it's I, I this is very this is very helpful for me because I think also I think if I think if I was to ask Jocelyn what she wants to do more of and what she wants to do less of and I think I was to ask Noah the same question I think that they would actually be opposites yeah and they can just cater for each I other I think there's actually I think there's actually a massive opportunity here for the two individuals to have no overlap 100 percent yeah um and I'm also realizing too that both of them want to do less moving of equipment <laughs> <laughs> you, and, you usually give that to a crew chief you know like not a production manager no i thank you sorry I thank you. But, but 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 when you have 10 crews naturally you know uh you're just gonna have Driving you're gonna have shit, some crews yeah. that need to have yeah 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 so but then maybe it's like okay who hates that less right but then naturally you might have two crews that finish on the same day and they both need to be moved for the next morning right and so yeah but uh i but like, i'm realizing now like that's the virtue of having more mobile crews right? i like uh very independent work responsibilities at work i should say because there's natural responsibility and performance audits as a result of one person being responsible for this one thing if that one thing is yeah it's not very hard to find out where to look yeah i'm seeing where there is independence but i'm also seeing where there's also overlap like even the matches thing like i think that i don't know if noah might i'll have to talk to him but like I think Jocelyn literally just gives him a list and doesn't tell him, like, do these ones first or, do you know, I think that's like, hey, here's a massive list. Go do these however the fuck you want, right? Like, so maybe maybe that's not, like, an issue for him, right? Because there is definitely certain things that, like, there, there has to be some overlap in the sense that, well, it, it seems like there's going to have to be some overlap to some degree, right? Yeah, um, and, and John, I guess, like, uh, one thing I will, like, how I will close this off because I think that honestly, those five questions that you're going to ask Noah, that's just going to lead four four conversations you're going to ask Noah, literally are going to lead you in a path that we can't even like. There's no use of us even guessing where this goes from there because you're just going to find out so much information. No, no, sorry. It. I was just I was thinking about I was I was just trying to think more about um like what tasks are even possible. No, for sure, that, for sure. Yeah. And I guess it, it could just be a conversation that you get that information from Noah and then have to go and think about it yourself instead of just like agreeing on something on the spot, right? Like, I, don't, I don't know. But um, one, one last thing I'll say is that it's very clear to me that um, you're a very strong voice in your business. So people, when John speaks, they listen. And when you know, John says jump, they say how high and people in your business like respect you and they know you as a figure of authority. And when John says something, it gets done. I imagine that's how a lot of your team looks at you for the most part. Well, mainly because I, because it, it's, it's, there's a gun to your head basically. Mentally. Yeah, no. And, and that's the way you run your business, which I respect. I just think something to be aware of if that is your management style is having your people feel heard. Right. So, yeah, I know it's definitely not. Happening so, so if sure. Noah doesn't feel heard or understood, then 
people like Noah are introverts and they don't speak up, right? They just internalize everything. So that's the worst part is that introverts will never say, hey, John, I just want to talk to you about something here. They'll never say that, right? Hey, John, I just wanted to point out that when you said this a couple of weeks ago, I actually took it this way and I know you didn't mean it, but it came off this way. And I just wanted you to be aware of the impact it had on my, on, on me. Like no one's never going to fucking say that to you. Right. But he's going to keep holding on to that. And it's your responsibility as his leader to extract that shit out of him and then get it out and then have him be more present. Well, that I'm actually, that I'm actually very good at. Okay. Fair like, enough. Cause be, be, only, only because I'm uh, like, so like, for example, if I'm on a job set and I can see like some sort of weird, like tension with a painter, I'll be like, Hey, I'll put my hand on his shoulder. Like, hey man, it, you seem like you just like, you want to kill me right now. Let's go. Yeah. On. You know, like I'm actually, because I'm, I'm so open to conflict that I'm actually willing to just go right <laughs> into the fucking deep end with someone. Like I'll like right in front of a client, jump into the fucking, you know, into the deep end. That's awesome. Like, and it's just not an issue at all for me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think one of the reasons that also, um one of the things that i'm also struggling with is that i feel like there's conversations that need to be had with certain painters that aren't being had um or like like and and like sometimes i feel like jocelyn and noah are both just not equipped to necessarily have those conversations right where like there might be a painter who is struggling with quality and like noah thinks that the only solution is more training and jocelyn thinks the only solution is to bring it up but not necessarily like, go in depth with 100%. them whereas I'll, i'm the type of guy I'll be like hey man uh, i'll be really blunt here like i can't have you in the team like for even one more day if your quality is bad and at the end of today like i need you to have like have the mindset like i'm going to come on the job site with a gun and basically shoot you or not shoot you based on your quality and the guy's like message fucking received and the next thing you know it's fixed right but like like jocelyn and Noah are never gonna like go like go to that extent to be like hey like hail mary kind of for thing. sure and yeah yeah john you've said the- those words before yeah my exact words to like an employee last that's hilarious week was, was that one of the thing. best parts yeah. about growing your business with, i mean in proper context it wasn't nearly as as, as aggressive as that yeah like I, I checked in with him i said hey man are, are you open to like some really aggressive analogies here and he's like i am i said <laughs> he's like and i was like okay here's the thing i was like basically your mindset currently is like i was like like do you feel i'm like do you feel pressure right now to like to go fast he's like yeah i'm like okay take all that pressure off you there's no pressure here to go fast all i want is quality job I'm like what's the most important thing he's like i don't know the customer's happy i'm like absolutely okay so it's like here's the thing you need to have the mindset that touch-ups don't exist and that at the end of every day you need to be proud of your work and that you are going to be rated on your work such that you're going to get shot or not shot and i told him the, the funny analogy of because one of my high school teachers was like hey like you know no one should ever be late to school and if i shot the first kid that was late to school no one would ever be late to school ever again <laughs> right so i always tell this to my employees it's actually Yo, it's so funny yeah. how that, that that a teacher saying that nowadays would so not stand up gabe imagine you started a class like that <laughs> dude i would be sanctioned <laughs> yeah, court martials yeah, yeah. you'd be on the, you'd be on the news at six no you know? no 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 he he'll just actually get shot by a student so. yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and then the student will just shoot up the Gabe's yeah. like, I'm a man of my word. What do you want me to do? My integrity was on the line. My integrity was on the line. No, no, I get <laughs> shot by a student, you know, like the quiet kid in class, right? Like, you're like, whoa. Yeah, Jimmy, I didn't mean you. You're always early. Ottawa teacher threatens to shoot a student for being late. More at six. But I actually, you six. know, I actually have great success with those kind of conversations, though. Like, you know, I, had, I you know, like, I remember like a month ago, I remember I had, we were having this employee that was like really just like kind of, um, we were just having a trouble kind of getting through to. And I, you know, I had a conversation with him and I said, hey, man, like, you know, here's the thing, like, I feel like every time we, we, you know, that we try and bring things up to you and give you feedback or whatever, it seems like there's just a lot of resistance. And I just want to know, like, you know, like, do you actually want to be here? Like, are you, are, you know, like, when I say, do you want to be here? Are you wanting to be here and actually improve as a painter? Because if you aren't, we can't, we can't have you on the team. I was like, 
And, I'm, and I was like, I want to preface this and say, I'm not saying this because I want to fire you. I'm saying this because I want to make this work. And I feel like I need to have some, you know, like I need to have you reciprocate this. And it's like, I have like 60 applications. I'm doing tons of interviews. I have tons of people that want your job, but I don't want to hire them over you. I want you to have the position, but if you can't step into it, I can't have you on the team. That's a beautiful And then he was like, it. and then he was like, you know, and he's like, man, like, you know, his initial reaction was like, well, you, what, you, you, you know, what like there's so much competition like you know i guess like what you want to fire me no no i say hey no no i want that's why i said this i'm like i actually don't want to fire you i actually really want to make this work with you but i don't feel like you want to work with me and if that's the case then like man like what are we doing here right so but it's those types of conversations that i i feel like i haven't necessarily either one offered enough coaching to jocelyn and noah or they're just not willing or wanting to have those conversations right and in this introverted thing like are introverted people able to have that type of conversation or no Probably, yeah. yes it's more they, of an agreeableness thing rather than a, it's a, I, I think it's i would say it's more thing. about probing them like you're with introverted people they're more they're, it's not like they're more or less capable of having the conversation it's usually just that they're going to require like two or three times more probing to get the same information out of them their, their door yeah, is just locked and you just need to make sure it's wide open yeah, because with jocelyn because jocelyn was like well john i don't feel like i can do the same thing you do because you just fucking basically just set the house on fire and you basically say, Hey, we both have to run out of here. Right. And she's like, I, I, I'm not the one that can like, I, I, I can't just like, I don't have like the, like the aggressiveness or the assertiveness. Like, I don't like, I don't know what to fucking say. That's what she John, said. I, and yeah, so then sorry, I, go ahead. Well, I said to her, I said, Hey, like, I was like, fair enough. And I was like, I'm not necessarily advocating for you to take my style. But then I was like, Hey, like, why don't I teach you this? And so I taught her mirroring. I said, how about you get really good? Because I'm like, you're a great listener. I'm like, how about you get really good at asking questions and then mirroring them so that they give you all the, so they're doing 90% of the talking. I'm like, if you don't feel comfortable doing what I do, which is overpowering the conversation and basically I own 90% of the space, you, you can have control the same way I do, but just flip it where you're actually guiding them by key questions and mirroring them. And I you know, taught her how to mirror. And I, it's funny because I taught her how to mirror and then I mirrored her for like 20 minutes. And I was like, hey, that's how effective it is, right? And I was like, learn how to do that. Cause I said, you can have the same control, but not necessarily have the aggressiveness that I have. You can be in control through, you know, through the mirroring and through the questions, right? John, I would, yeah. I would uh, invite you to consider that your managing and coaching is like a 99 out of a hundred for painters and maybe like a 70 out of a hundred for senior leaders in your business. Oh no, I, I would, I would, I would say that it's more like probably 20 out of a hundred for senior leaders. Yeah. Because like, and yeah, that's what no, I was yeah. about to say earlier is one of the most beautiful parts about growing your business is redefining your position every year with that. Oh yeah. Totally. Because I'm like, in, dude, I'm who, in, I'm in a totally who, who, what we're talking about right now and what, like this conversation wouldn't have been possible without you growing the business. And that's what's I don't know. I, I enjoy well, basically, that redefining. I'm actually process. kind of in a freaky. I'm actually kind of in a, in like a bit of a terrifying spot in my life, actually, because like when I go look at my schedule for the week, I literally have nothing yeah. that I've done previously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm not. I'm guys. I, I'm not exaggerating. This is my schedule for the next week. Yeah. There is the only thing on there is me coaching production managers yeah and it's like how do you do that i've as of two weeks ago that was me i never even occurred to me that i would even have to do that bro I didn't so ha like you're right like i i don't do any sales anymore i don't do any marketing i don't do i don't do any of the things that i actually like love and know how to do really well 
the only thing I have on my schedule, like literally, is hosting a team meeting and spending the week with Noah. That is it. There's nothing else. And not only is that is that not the only thing I have to do, there's nothing else the company wants me to do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Brady's like, dude, I don't need you in sales. Let me do my own quotes, right? And uh, it's this weird sensation that I don't feel like anyone wants me in my own business. You know what I'm saying? Like it's this it's this weird vibe where like yeah, I have well, to like, find a way of adding value. I can tell you this, like but, Gabe Gabe yeah. certainly doesn't want me taking on fucking calling leads, and Mark doesn't want me managing production. It's the same thing. Like every time Gabe finds out I took a lead, he's kind of like, "The fuck you doing, bro?" Like that was uh... no, but it's funny because I've <laughs> I've it's I've, how dare I've, you? I've yeah. found like literally <laughs> I woke up. I woke up like last week, but I mean, but you know, this Dave's is like, like you booked you know, a job, but I'm basically, fuck? but I'm basically waking up to the fact that like, oh, I literally like, just like, it's, it's, it like literally like I feel the same way that I felt when I walked into that, uh, Quebec city, like jazz bar. I was Yo, like, you mean, you mean the first I was like, dimension? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, no, but no, cause I, I like, I like, I was like, you know, like all like basically my, like my entire business career so far, I've just been kicking down doors and finally I kicked down a door and I'm like, yo this Dude, it's is the monster like, it's the monsters inc snowstorm door bro yeah it's no it is and i'm just and i'm just in some room where i'm like holy shit and then, I and have then you like, find the abominable literally making yellow snow yeah i'm like man like i have like no idea what i'm doing in this room i have like like and and all in matter of fact not only that but it seems like it's even worse it seems like i'm like bringing a knife to a gunfight like it seems like all of these <laughs> skills all of the skill sets and the equipment i have is like the total wrong equipment like like i feel like I feel like a guy who like is like like walked through a door in a mid like a medieval suit in the middle of Saudi Arabia. It's like, dude, like I feel like a crusader, and it's like, dude, the Sultan has like they don't wear armor; they wear like white robes. Yo, John, there is that hot scene, out. and I'm just like I'm just like riding like in this like horse. It's like, dude, like I'm so good in like in like Europe, you know, like horseback. It's, I'm like in the middle of a desert right now with like no fucking water packed just like burning hot like what the fuck like what i don't even know what the next move is like literally like the only thing i have planned for the entire week austin's like i don't know if that's a good idea i know seriously (laughs) (laughs) yeah yo this is uh this is it hold on let me Um, as I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be really anticlimactic, but I found the clip that uh, I'm not going to share it because it's going to be anticlimactic. It's one of those things where it'd be, uh, be like, oh, that's neat for four seconds. But it's like the Monsters, Inc. door chase where they're literally trying to catch each other running into different universes. And they just like they run into the desert, then they run into a Chinese buffet, then they run into like the fucking snowstorm. And it's like you John trying to understand his business. Well, yeah. it, it, but it's funny, though, because now that I'm talking with you guys, I'm also understanding how much stuff is being done merely because we don't also have a physical location. Can you elaborate? Well, like a, there's a lot of um, equipment that's being moved merely because we have a storage unit that Jocelyn and Noah have access to the painter that the painters don't. Uh, yeah, true. John, I, I really enjoyed that conversation. And, uh, yeah, by the way, my silence is a reflection of how effective Austin was at answering that. He just took all the work. I'm literally like, I have like a half a page of notes of stuff I wanted to tell you. I'm like, oh. Well, I'm hoping we Austin can spend some time yeah, on Amber, this I want to know what it's, you think, it's, it's kind of new to me because I'm basically having to be a coach for the first time in my life. Yep. Whereas before, I think I was more of a... 
I mean, I was a leader, but I but I wasn't a coach. Yo, and I, I don't know if there's a there's a for me there's a distinction between the two. I, I've had conversations with Adel about this many times. Adel is someone who was able to start, found, grow, and now runs a predictable. Like Adel and Ryan run the easiest six to seven million dollar business I've ever seen in my life. They don't put in like how they get leads. Their cost per acquisition is super low. Could they do more revenue? Yes, but they found a sweet spot where I think they're making a lot of money off of in their headquarter position, not in their headquarter position. Yeah. And um, they've done so not through coaching and developing people, but just through managing people and fitting people to the right position. And if you don't do the job properly, get out. We're going to like, we're going to replace you. We'll just find somebody else to do the job, right? Like that's the way they run their business. And it, and it has proven to be really effective. Like that's how they became Ottawa's largest residential roofing company in eight or nine years of being in, in business, right? But when they started to franchise, it's like, well, that work ethic doesn't really work for coaching and developing franchisees, right? Because you can't just like tell a franchisee what to do and then be like, why didn't she do it? And if you don't do it, I'm going to get rid of you, right? You got to like coach and develop that person. And so- Adel and Ryan and I are always talking about it because like they come at it from this perspective of like, why aren't like, just get it done. Like, why isn't it done? Yeah. Right? That's, that's how I am. And, yeah. and, and then they look at me, they're like, Austin, you got to talk to this guy. Cause like, I, I need you to talk. And it's like, okay, well that's really where the coaching comes in. Right. And we've established like, I'm not a very good, like authoritative leader. I'm way more of like a natural, like more taking way more of a coaching perspective and just asking questions and understanding someone's reality. That's my, yes, I'm the same. That's my, like, I guess, strategy to coach people. I can people. relate more to Adel. Yeah. Honestly. And so like, yeah. man, you and Adel should talk about that. Cause Adel and I have had like so many conversations about this and we just know like what our strengths are and what we need to work on and, and who's better at what, for example. Well, yeah. And that's maybe where, hmm. Yeah, because I mean, and then and, and, and the other dynamic too is that here we also have Brady entering. Yeah, the exactly. Too right. Yeah, yeah. Boys, I gotta jump. Um, and uh, Ammer, if you can send me the audio, I'll release it's it. It's in your morning. email. Oh damn, you did that filthily. The stealth. Just do a quick QC of it, quality okay. control, and yeah. just let me know. Sounds good, brother. I'll um, also be heading out. Okay, guys, great chatting with you. And Amar, I'll see you, uh, see you in Vegas. We're going to do our next podcast together from Vegas, aren't we? It's in our calendar, I think, Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the afternoon, yeah. Cool. Copy well, that. John, I'll see you next when I'm uh, yeah, married, tattoo on my face. <laughs> married to some girl <laughs> named Destiny. <laughs> Ta- tattoo, face, face tattoo, for sure. Okay, guys, see ya. How you feeling? Well, I feel like I have a better, at least a better uh, angle of how I should go about, you know, getting production the way I want it to be, for sure. Right. Maybe this might be a good opportunity to like, um, maybe lean on Corey and and Jordan because that's what they do, right? They they kind of. I think so too. I think so too. I'm I'm realizing that uh, the approach that I took was what's worked for me, like my winning formula and my winning formula, basically my entire life has been to go do it myself. Right. Um, delegate obviously a lot, but, but even like the way that I delegate is, you know, um, like give someone ultimate autonomy kind of thing. 
Um, but then if there's ever a problem, I basically just hop in it, right? Like I, I like any like anything that's physically in front of me, I have to take charge. Like there's just no way around. It's funny, you know, it it kind of hit me this weekend. You know, life has a funny way of like pointing these things out to you. Um I I went to go do two quotes with Brady, right? And I couldn't help but fucking Oh, just jump in and yeah. Yeah. And can't yeah, do that. And and, and, and you know, and it's and you know, I at the end of the you know, because the one that the the client said He's like, hey, you know, he's like, I have to say, I kind of found, I, yeah, I kind of found this a little bit funny because, you know, Brady had, you know, knocked on, you know, or like, knocked on my door or whatever, and you know, or whatever. But basically, Brady called me, did you know, set up the quote, and everything like that. Brady seemed as a professional, and you know, you hear, you know, you guys show up, and he's like, I thought you were the helper. He's like, but you're the owner, right? I'm like, yeah, he, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm the owner. He's like, yeah, he's like, I can tell right away. He's like, you just took charge. He's like, I, you know, he's like, you know, and it, was, but it was interesting because it's like. That wasn't why I was there. I wasn't there to like help Brady. You're supposed to be the, the job. you should like fly on the wall. I was, I was, I was, I was supposed to be helping like coach Brady and like help him improve. But meanwhile, you know, and, and I'm not, and, and, you know, I don't know, like Brady definitely got some stuff out of it in the sense that he's like, Hey, I'm really glad you stepped in there because I wouldn't have done what you did. And now I know that that's an approach I can do. So like Brady luckily does learn a lot. Like Brady's very good at watching what I do and he, he doesn't like, you know, he digests it. But at the same time, it's definitely something I have to consider whether or not I want to, like, I definitely have to, I definitely have to uh, develop this side of myself for sure. But it, it's a question of how much do I want to do this? You know, This is the rest um, of the business. It's just developing leaders, putting managers, more leaders, managers, training, like, that's just it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, but yeah, because man, like, which yeah. you don't, which you don't have to do. Kind of one of the bonuses of having Patrick as a business partner is that's all he does: manage and develop leaders, and that's what's required for him at the level that StudentWorks is at. It's just find great people, give them great comp plans, and then learn how to coach and manage them. Yeah, and I think I could do that actually. I think, and I think I would want to do that. Like, if you look at like, because I think that would fit well with what I'm actually like, what I want to spend most of my time doing. I think I could do that. Yeah. Like if you think about it, I want to buy operating businesses and it seems like developing myself as a coach would be a pretty vital asset to that. You know what I'm saying? It depends on Versus the relationship just, when you purchase these businesses. Like if you take the Warren Buffett approach, you wouldn't be talking to them much. But if you want to build up to a Warren Buffett, you'd start off because you, you can approach it from a different angle, right? And just buy businesses that know. There is. Yeah, well, there's certain businesses don't require a lot of key people that require coaching. That's for sure. Um, there's that aspect, or you could buy a business that inherently already has the coach in it. So then you don't, you don't fill that role. But there could be an argument where it's like, if you don't really enjoy it that much, but you can make yourself enjoy it and you're still new at it, there could be an argument of like, well, why not just, um, well, I don't know if I don't enjoy it because oh. I haven't done it before okay. and I don't know if I've ever given it a fair shake. Okay. Fair enough. True. You know? then, yeah, I should probably like try. shutting the fuck up is something that I haven't ever really done before. You know, like letting other people talk isn't something that I typically do, you know? Like being a fly on the wall. Like I'm never the fly on the wall. Like that's I've I don't know if I've ever once been the fly on the wall in any room, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the opportunity. There is an opportunity for sure, and I think that it's definitely it's something that I would want to pursue for sure. Because I, you know, when I think about like the dual, the duality of that, right? Like having the ability to like coach really key people. And also have the ability to analyze and find really unique business opportunities. 
like deals is probably a good duality, right? Um, at least, yeah, it depends on, it depends on what Brady ends up being. Hear that Brady? There's a spot open. Do you have the balls to grab it? The alternative as well is I could also do more business with you. <laughs> That's very nice of you. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think... But then I become, but I also become less valuable as a partner if I can't coach, though. So here, here are my thoughts. The reason I want to learn capital allocation is so that I understand what is happening, but maybe I would never be as good at it as somebody else. But I still understand the 80-20. I think the same would apply on your end, which is if you, like, oh, maybe yeah, there's somebody better than me, yeah. but, like, I need to understand enough to know if they're actually holding up their end. And if there's, you know, that's how I would. It's, it's you're good enough to QC it, but not good enough to do it yourself. Quality control it. So, yeah, I think yeah. there's, like, a year or two where you have to, like, kind of swim in that pond but you're not forced to for the rest of your life if you don't like it no 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 matter of fact i would say that uh you know i think that i'm basically just like about two to three people away from being exactly where i want to be right and, and when i say two to three people i don't necessarily mean two to three more people but potentially the two to three people that are already in my life just helping them you know fulfill their 100 their mission right 100 and there's an argument to be made that also, and I don't know if this is arrogance, but if you can develop both skill sets, you don't have to split your profits in half with, with another individual. Right, the, the whole point of a business partner is like, you could get value. So would you tax yourself 50%? Well, depends, well, depends if it's a 50-50. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different Whatever, lot yeah. Of different so I'm going to, it gets too complicated too fast. But you get yeah, what right, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Hmm. If you like, I don't know if you're open to reading some books about these topics. I can recommend some. Uh, you mean on coaching? Correct. Coaching and leadership. Can I show you? Can I show you the ones that I have currently? Sure. And just let me know sure. if you have any. There's I only, well I have two. So there's uh, the coaching. Oh uh, yeah yeah perfect yeah good. I was literally about to recommend that. And then there's this one, HBR's guide to coaching employees. Uh, you sent some quotes, right, about that that were pretty good. So yeah, I started reading it, and then I was gonna. What do you think about me having um, Jocelyn, Noah, and Brady reading this one? Jocelyn. Uh, probably Jocelyn. Yeah, I think I would start with well, Jocelyn. You don't, think, you don't think Noah with like training and things? It's like too that early for Noah. And Brady, that's not where his focus should be right now. Well, well, no, because no, no, because Brady has to um, have a sales no, rep. Brady, yeah, Brady's Sorry, had, yeah, I take Brady, it back. yeah, Brady's gonna be bringing on a sales rep. That's why I, I wanted them to all read this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, the, is the coaching habit one of the books that you were gonna? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, like uh, beyond this book, what else would you recommend? Or, or is like, or if I read this book, I, you think that I would get like enough of an understanding? Oh, I hate books that are fucking. A page in the middle, goddamn it! Yeah. Like a little, little tearaway. It's like so cheap, you know, like just ruins the integrity of the book. Hate that. Um, but you think, you know, like I think the coaching habit's a great place to start. I can ask Patrick for some of the books 
that he recommends. Um, but I do know the um, Patrick Lincioni. I don't know this recommended. He... I'll tell you what. Let me read this book, and um, I'll read it this week. Cool. And then uh, I'll also let you know. I just sent you this guy's name. You can peruse. What do you think the highest? What do you think the highest impact thing for my for me right now? My business is. Um, it's got to be coaching, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's developing leaders and creating better systems. I can't do the systems thing. It's just not. Well, me. do you develop a leader to create systems for you? Yeah, you. I think that might be Brady. Brady gets excited about that kind of shit. Great. A way that I comp system creation is I do bounties. We talked about this, but if you create a system, boom. I don't have to call Brady. But yeah, because he's an owner. Exactly. He's already calm. Yes. Yeah, he's already calm. Yeah. He's already calm. But yeah, man. Right now, like 80, you know how you talked about everything you're doing is like completely new. Like right now, most of my days are negotiating contracts, training leaders, creating systems. Literally is all I'm doing right now. You and I are basically doing the same thing now. Well, yeah, 100%. 100%. It's all new things. It's all new. I guess things. naturally we ended up in the same spot. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, God bless Patrick as a as a business partner because he he knows a lot of these things. He's failed at these things way ahead of me, and it's just like you know he can just point me in the right direction too. So he's good at that. Hmm. And because of the way he's also compensated, he he's incentivized to maximize cash flow in the business. So it's perfect. Yeah, because he only gets paid off dividends, right? Yeah, correct. So Yemen, I think that's the, uh, that's what you got to do. Yeah. But part of developing leaders, John, and uh, this is something you should, maybe I misunderstand when you, when you say about roles, but you need to have clear KPIs for that person to measure against. Because you cannot really lead somebody who's like not hitting specific targets. Um, so that's something to really think about. Because part of managing a big team, it's, it's having key performance indicators that you can be like, hey, this month, you're this bit behind. So a lot of what I do is also read data. Like, Yeah, I guess that's it. So for me, like, it's incredibly easy for me to like, like know the KPIs for sales. I guess I just don't understand the KPIs for production. Yeah. So KPIs for production. Uh, what is your referral rate when you complete a job? How often does a customer refer somebody else? Five star reviews, um, and then overall, uh, like if you if you give a projected budget of like a hundred hours, it's like it's the spread. So you can measure that if you can get data on that for the past like year from different crews, you can actually look at what your company KPIs are. And when you're bringing in a production manager, you say, hey, look, the average spread for a production manager is 5%. Meaning if I give you 100 hours, the average production manager hits at 95. That's your KPI. If you're above budget or something like that consistently on average for a month, we have to do something called a, a PIP, which is like a performance something plan, performance improvement plan, where you have another production manager or a leader or yourself kind of shadow them and find out the problems. And if they, if they don't fix it by the month after, they get fired. Um, I guess we could, I guess the main, the main thing that, uh, that Jocelyn, yeah, all of those you just said. So, I mean, 
five star Google reviews, uh, repeat and referral clients, and then beating production, beating beating budgets, and, and then yeah, and then efficiency overall efficiency. Of I would also add the KPI of uh, employee retention. So as a, as a percentage, how often do you lose employees that are within your crews? Um, that would be an important. Yeah, the only issue with that one though is they um. Yeah, they don't do the hiring though. Like I do the hiring, and so I feel like that's like one that's kind of somewhat out of their control if I make a bad hire. Maybe when you're starting, but again, since you are doing all the hiring, you can, even if you are bad at hiring or have like a ten percent miss on hiring, that averages out, and you can just tell when you have enough people what is good, what's bad. So, for example, my marketing could be better in contracting.com, but when I have two people in one role doing like appointment setting. I can just tell who's better and who's not because they're getting the same exact leads. So th like the hires are coming from the same source. So if one is not retaining them and the other is, then like you can just tell who's not good at it because they're literally coming from the same source. So this is where data is really important because yeah, it's what I, what I spent a lot of my time doing. I don't necessarily like it, but it is the most important lever for me to pull. Like as I start delegating the marketing, uh, you know, a couple hours of my day is like reviewing sales stats, customer fulfillment stats, and marketing stats, and just be like, "Hey, here's a problem here, problem there." Coaching conversation, coaching conversation. Yeah, I'm also I'm I'm seeing how why the KPIs matter so much because um because then I can I can give autonomy within that. Correct. Like I can because then basically all I'm saying to Jocelyn and Noah is like, "Hey guys, like look at I'm not gonna fucking tell you how to do your job." But these are the five things that I want you guys to do. And this is how it's going to benefit you. Do whatever. the I tell. I t like, yes. hey, you guys, do, why do you guys like, and, and Brady likes referral and repeat clients. He likes Google reviews because the more Google reviews, the better. So I, there's, and then you get into a virtuous cycle. You know, that might have been the most effective. That that was the most helpful thing that, 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 that I, I heard in the last year, maybe. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I hadn't really thought of it that way because I'm a huge fan of decentralized command. But I wasn't giving any KPIs on the production side. Like Jocelyn and I literally, this is actually how our bonus structure works. At the end of the year, I just decide how much I'm going to give her. Yeah, that works for Jocelyn because she worships you, but you can't scale this. No, but it works for Jocelyn because I legitimately will actually give her as much as I want, like as I can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I love yes. her. And she knows that. I love her and that, and I'm not going to ever, you know what I mean? Like I legitimately will sit down and be like, okay, this is how much I can actually give her, you know, it's, you know, and she knows I fully trust her with that. Right. Correct. But I'm realizing, but, but also I don't have to tell Jocelyn the KPIs. She fucking, Jocelyn has one KPI, which is that every single person on the planet loves me and her. That's just what her KPI is. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that, that's what she wants. Right. I'm realizing, I'm realizing where there's a lack there with, with the painters and Noah is that they don't know the KPI. Yeah, the concept that Patrick told me taught. Well, they kind of do. The painters get the efficiency thing. The efficiency, the efficiency thing is just built into their job that is a KPI. Like there, there's no way around that. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the the concept that Patrick taught me about this, it's called trusting with both eyes open. That's what that looks like. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna do an, a, a company wide comp plan for the production side. Like so. It, like I want to incentivize both the painters and Jocelyn and Noah to get Google reviews. I want the painters to get referrals and repeat clients. So what I could do is I could say, hey guys, 
every single time you give us the name and number, like a, like you generate a lead as a painter, right? You get this much money, right? Um, same goes with Jocelyn and Noah. They maybe get like a, I guess Jocelyn and Noah could maybe just get like a percentage of the painters then or something like that. Like at the total, the total you, volume of the painters. You can just pay like 500 bucks for a review or something. For a five-star review. Well, you can't do $500. Sorry, sorry. Whatever. Depends how you, but this is where you got to look at your data. How often do five stars are generated? What's your average five-star generation rate per job? Yeah, because I mean, the painters have, I think, I think the painters have more clear, clear KPIs than the management team does. Because the painters get bonuses for Google reviews already. The efficiencies in their face, the whole fucking job. I mean, like that's one of the things that I think StudentWorks does so well is they, they intrinsically build the KPI into the role, right? Like as a painter, every job you have to sign off on your efficiency, right? So, um, and a matter of fact, the painters that aren't beating budget, they're so frustrated that they're not beating budget because they because they know they're underperforming, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then, the the production manager. Yeah, you get it, man. But then, how do you incentivize? Like, how do you pay someone? I guess, do you have to, do you have to pay them based on the KPIs or is it just a matter of like, hey guys, this is, this is what success looks like for us. But then how do you like, like, how do I, how would I incentivize Jocelyn and Noah to have like uh, efficiency for painters other than just them knowing that it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's something that we look at, right? Um, you can have a, a percentage of that efficiency spread be comped to them. So for example, when we were figuring out how to comp the CMO of the business, we said, look, KPI for the business is 20% cost per acquisition. So if we're spending per month and we hit 20%, 21%, 22%, you get zero bonuses, nothing. However, if our cost per acquisition is below 20%, that difference, so let's say um, you know, on a, on a million dollars, you have $200,000 of ad spend that needs to be like efficient. Let's say there's $50,000. So let's say at the end of the month, we do a million dollars. And instead of- Yeah, for us, it's labor percentage. For us, it's labor percentage. Exactly. So you take a look at that. So uh, what, the way we did it- That's the massive KPI. Yeah. yeah so the way we did it is if, it, if the cost per acquisition at the end of the month was not 200000 but let's say it was 150000 then that extra $50,000 in profit that you were efficient enough to- generate for the company uh, i'm seeing it i'm seeing it no for us it's the combined ratio this is an insurance the lattice dude the lattice here is so awesome okay so yeah so uh the insurance term is the underwriting loss versus your operating efficiency so it, you can't incentivize insurance agents just on the operating gain or loss because what if they fucking spend way too much advertising and and, and have like fucking ferraris and then the combined do you know what a combined ratio is in insurance Okay, so the way that insurance companies, uh, so insurance companies have two major costs. They have the underwriting cost. So these are claim, like, so if you write an auto insurance, right, and someone gets into a car accident, the claim would would go against, so like the revenue of an insurance company is the premium that someone pays. So when you when you pay an insurance policy, that's called a premium. So let's just say there's $100 in premiums paid, okay? Just artificially for, for whatever, like let's say um, uh, auto insurance because it's the easiest, okay? Uh, let's say the auto insurance company pays $70 of that amount over the course of the year in insurance claims. So it, this could be like someone shipped it, you know, uh, their windshield and they got a new one or whatever, right? But over the course of the year, 70% was the operate, not the operating, uh, was the, um, uh, the claim, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, the, underwriting. The, the claim rate, okay? The underwriting, yeah, the underwriting loss, okay? Right, now, 
the um the the actual operating cost of the business okay that might be like let's call it 28 percent right or 28 dollars right so the combined ratio of the two is 98 but you wouldn't want to incentivize them on one or the other only because of course it's the combined number you actually care about and the number that I really care about is the combined ratio of paint and labor. That's the most important number to me. Because it doesn't really matter. If my labor is 40, but my paint is 2, that's great. If my labor is 20, but my paint is 40, that doesn't correct. work. So it's actually the... the, the so you, you create know, KPIs and the spread... Correct. They, so the, the spread that we, we... Profit sharing. They get profit sharing on that. We give half. Yeah. So in that example of the million dollars... And like, let's say our, our, we were expected to spend 20% at 200,000 and, yeah. and they yeah. save us 50 grand, 25,000 goes to them, 25,000 goes to us. That could be a massive bonus. Now, do you change the KPI every year or is it? Of course. Well, yeah, because sometimes you can just you, like these comps zig and zag. So you have to kind of create that in the expectations. Like, hey, man, like I want, can you see how this is a good deal? Okay, great. Can you see how, like, for this business to win? But, you need I, to but I can deal. also see why this would massive incentivize them because all of a sudden, hey, like, why does it matter that you train? Because if you don't train someone properly and we're having to eat all that labor on the training stuff, oh man, dude, oh my god, I just like I'm just having so much fun Correct. right now. Oh my god, yeah, man, this is part this of leadership. Amazing, yeah, man, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, dude, oh, shout god. out Patrick, he taught me this stuff. Dude, oh my god, oh yeah, fuck. So the reason we do we're doing this for the CMO because the emails need Man, to matter. I feel like a guy. I feel like a guy who's been trying to. I feel like a guy. You know, like in like that. In like, ever seen Criminal Minds? Like that that TV show. Or like, have you ever seen CSI or any fucking sure. crime show where they have like that wall with all like the little red dots? Yes. And they're like looking at it and you just can't make any sense of it, dude. I feel like you walked over. Like I feel like you were walking by. Like I was in this room. I and I just you know because the last like three weeks I've just been like driving myself crazy with production, which is totally new to me. And I feel like you just walked in and were like, "Oh hey, like this uh, this string is uh, should be over here." And I was like, uh, "That's the murderer," yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah. you know he did it, you know. Contracting.com, yeah, no, baby. Contracting. No, no, but I know, but I'm realizing here I am. I have no incentive plan and no KPIs for production that are clear for them, and so they're basically just running around kind of doing what john wants but they don't even know what success looks like no and that's why, why that's why it's no surprise that a very formal and structured individual is failing right now yeah because i'm i'm basically like i'm structured but i but i'm very hands-off when it comes to leadership right um yeah okay mm. man this was uh Fuck, this was super really, this was incredibly helpful for me. This was, this was a game changer for me, I think. You find me the businesses, we'll I'll manage them. Well, hold, but, but see, but do you see why I wanted to buy businesses that required monkeys? <laughs> yeah, because like, yeah, you've been playing this game for nine years and it just hit you. Well, no, because I don't want to have to fucking, I don't want to have to manage people and coach them, right? But, uh, but you know, at the same time, though, if you buy enough businesses, you know, they'll, you know, you'll need management and, and coaching and things like that, but. Hmm. Very, very fucking interesting. This is this makes me think about a lot of stuff. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna sleep tonight because I'm gonna be thinking. Good. Well, you can start your thinking now. Okay, man. Uh, I really appreciate this, and I'm hoping that we can kind of make this a bit of a focal point over the next, you know, at least couple of weeks of really trying to get John where where John needs to be with uh, with production. This is easy. This is fun for me. Austin and I. This is right up our alley. We solved these problems before. We can help you solve them now. Okay. I appreciate, it, man. Um, 
I'm gonna go have dinner if that's okay with you. I know that I was no. kind of maybe selfish there, but I didn't, I didn't ask you anything about your week or anything like no, that. No, not at all, dude. No, I had a lot of fun. I got to be the star. Okay. That's I feel good. <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. Thank you, man. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Take care, brother. Cheers. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.